We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hey there, we at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Another week, a packed weekend of combat sports that we have to touch on uh, during this show and our next one. And plus, you know, we had the IG battle with Jill Scott, Erica Badu. There's one that was announced coming up as well that we're going to talk about here in a second. Plus, just the added craziness of what's going on in the world First and foremost, Dre, how's everything? Is the fam good? Everyone's safe over there? Vegas is opening up again. I feel like you might go sit in a barber's chair, get the, get the old man beard shaped up. No, I'm not doing any of that. I am, uh, yeah, Vegas is opening up, but I ain't going outside. Y'all can have that <laughs> shit. Like, I, yeah, I'm going to go to the grocery store, but uh, I'm not going to the barbershop. I don't really need to. Like, what's the point? Like, what am I going to the barbershop for, really? Because it's like, if I get... I've been done. asking you this for years. Why well, no, are you going to barbers? This is different. Like, <laughs> if I was doing, like, an event or going to covering something or was going to be seen, yeah, i get my beard done. But if I'm going to get my beard done and go right back into my office at home and sit here for the next... In my, look, today... Oh, yesterday marked 60 days of me not wearing jeans or, or like, any other sneakers other than, like, the two sneakers I, I walk out the house with. Like, and I haven't ate out either. 60 days. 
I haven't done any of this shit. So what what am I getting a, uh, my beard done for? Who am I going to see? Nobody. Have you been shopping for clothes and sneakers during quarantine, though? Unfortunately, yes, which is so <laughs> stupid. So you just been adding clothes to the pile of clothes you don't wear anyway? Yeah, like I bought a pair of kicks. They were on sale. I couldn't help it. I bought some 90 Air Max. <laughs> they were like uh, uh, they had, they were like wolf gray and pink, and I thought they were dope as shit. And I was like, oh, they were 60 bucks. So I copped those. Um, I've been waiting for these Red Cement 3s to go below $150 because I want them, but I want to spend $150 for them because I feel like, why am I buying shoes and I'm not going anywhere? And then I bought some like wrestling T-shirts, and <laughs> that's it. But but getting a haircut is just I don't know. It's stupid. It makes no sense to me. I feel you on that. I'm obviously, you know, I took it off on the top so I can just shave my own head. That's easy. My beard doesn't grow long and fluffy like like yours, so I don't got to worry about that. Uh, I did find three grays Ooh. in my in my beard yesterday. So I am a week away from my birthday, a week exactly, so May 18th. I'm a week away from that. And I was like, damn, I'm getting old. That's how it it just crept up on me. That and I threw my back out yesterday. Wow. Never happened to me before in my life. I was at the grocery store, and I was returning the cart in the parking lot to, like, the little cart, you know, return spot. And I pushed it, and I twisted the wrong way. Whole bottom of my back was a rat. Yo, you're old. <laughs> Boy, when I said I had to come home and just lay up, I was like a mummy in the bed. I couldn't move. It was horrible. And then I had to get up. I had to put Tiger Bomb on the back. Oh, yeah. I was smelling like a 60-year-old. It was all bad. So, yeah. Father time waits for no one. Yeah. Unless you're Mike Tyson, which we're going to talk about in a little while as well. So, that was kind of uh, the personal stuff this weekend. The other thing is... Following along with you, where I thought we we're supposed to be watching, you know, UFC 249, you know, enjoying the return of combat sports to live television. And it seems as though you decided to mute the commentary team and go with Jill Scott versus Erica Badu as your soundtrack to violence. Yeah, it was so weird, man. I was so <laughs> conflicted. Like, I think Love of My Life was playing during uh, Verdum versus Olenek. And I was like, man, this is weird because, like, I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I love this song, but these two guys are, like, stinking up the octagon. I don't know. It was weird. But, like I said, man, it, it was really hard for me to not watch Jill Scott versus Erica Badu. And then, you know, I had to be doing some commentary on Twitter doing that. Like, people were so confused by my timeline. There were people <laughs> like, yo, man, I thought you were doing the commentary for the fights. And I'm over here talking about, like, Erica Badu's mama's gun and shit. <laughs> people like mad confused but that's like the story of my timeline on twitter like i like a lot of different things and any given moment you're going to get something that you're not expecting if you come here for mma you're going to get hip-hop if you come here for hip-hop you're gonna get mma if you come here for neither you might get dropped some uh social commentary but on this particular night yeah that was a mess for a lot of people but if you were with me you know where i was coming from yeah caught caught a little bit of uh education on the neo soul and a uh, yes. shout out for that playlist you dropped Oh, yeah, I did drop them. It's the not chat. finished yet. I'm still working on it. Like, I, I have this thing because if you notice, if anybody follows me on iTunes, like, I don't make rap playlists because I just like albums. And it feels weird making rap playlists because I don't really need mood music for hip-hop. I just kind of play the shit that I like. When it comes to, like, R&B and soul, like, I can't, I have to play certain vibes together. So, yeah, I've made, like, multiple playlists. So I just made, like, the, 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 it's like a house cleaning soul music playlist, which is incomplete, and people are downloading it, but 
I like it. I, I like I the downloaded it. I thought it was good. I didn't even know it was incomplete. Yeah, I got some more to do. I was like, all right, Dre's in his bag right now. Not yeah. not mad at that at all. And so. I was doing that while watching the fights. Like I was watching the fights, and I was like, oh yeah, music half tra- crazy. That's a jam. Let me put that on here. So I was all over the place Saturday night. A <laughs> lot of lot of time on your hands because uh, those UFC fights were going to run down the entire card, but they picked up at the end. It was oh, a yeah. little lean, a little lean in the middle. Yeah, it was. So I can I can see why you had some extra time on your hands. Um, this battle specifically, though, Jill Scott, Erica Badu, it, I went back and watched it afterwards uh, yesterday, I believe, before I watched wrestling, and it wasn't a battle. None of these are battles anymore. Like, can we I, just, I don't know. Who's battling? Babyface was, was low-key shady in his versus yeah, Teddy Riley. Yeah, just like, he, he took it seriously. He's like, oh, you dropping that? Let me one-up you. This, I mean, this was just an admiration of music. Like, these two were just... I yeah. feel like, though... I don't know if anybody else sensed this, but it feels like Erica Badu and Jill Scott are, like, frenemies. Like, they they have... They give off a vibe, like, yeah, yeah, we're cool. And then, like, they get out of them, like, man, fuck that bitch. Like, I don't know if that happens <laughs> or not, but it kind of feels like there is a little bit of competition, but they love each other, so, you know, I don't know. I, it's just something that I sense. I enjoyed it, though. Um... I don't think anybody won. It wasn't that type of battle. Uh, I just, I like Erica Badu. I, I mean, I love Jill Scott's music as well, but I just feel like Erica Badu has so many joints that don't miss. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed mean, it. The catalog was tough, but I, her and Jill weaving back and forth, the stories told, um, them chopping it up just with each other was as good as them playing music. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's always the best part about a lot of these battles. Like, the same thing with Primo and the RZA. Like, them telling stories was dope. Um, what song was it that we found out? A Long Walk was an Erica Badu song like that she wrote for Jill Scott. I never knew that. And then you listen to it, and you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. So it was like a big admiration thing. Um, it was interesting because it's like, yo, I just couldn't help my Like, I'm looking at Jill Scott. I was like, man, she must bake some amazing cakes and treats and pastries and all of the best snacks yeah like she like her snack game just must be phenomenal i don't know i don't know if that's if people take that the wrong way i don't care i just think when i see jill scott i'm just oh, like man it just looks it looks like she'll comfort you yeah like and in all ways like she's just that's why she, I, we talked about this last that's why she's just sexy because you just know like yo jill scott got that that bounce where she just she'll cook you a good meal She'll rub your feet. Like Jill, she she just does whatever her man needs. She got that vibe. Yeah, she's got that loving vibe. Whereas, like, Erica Badu, <laughs> like, I, yo, I just feel like Badu roll up to your crib and be like, yo, yo, we about to rob this bank. And you be like, yo, word, what? Like, slow down. <laughs> and, and like, But that's how I feel like she rolls. Like, Badu looks like the type that will pop the trunk on somebody for real. And you know she's got an automatic weapon in the trunk. Like, there's no doubt about it. Whereas with Jill, like, I, I figured Jill could throw hands, but she's all about love and caressing and sensuality. Whereas Badu is, like, weed and dope hip-hop. And she's like a dude. Like, then that's what I noticed, like, with my wife. Like, her sister loves Jill Scott. She doesn't really like everybody to do like that, but she loves love. And people who love love, love Jill Scott. If you like love and love is cool, but you also like, you know, 
doing some ratchet shit, Erica Badu is your girl. Like, I feel like Erica Badu would be the girl that you went to high school with, that you would ditch class with, you know, and go drink on the corner and just, like, run them on people all day. I feel like that's who she was. Yeah, she's just, she, her bounce is just so different. But you see what she's done to men, and not in, like, a bad way. It's just, like, she's intoxicating for men. Like, they changed her whole style to fit her. Yeah. And she's just, she's otherworldly. I say it all the time. Like, she done been here before. Yeah, she definitely has. And it's just, it's it's incredible to watch. She ain't for me. Like, I I would have never dated someone like Erica Badu just because she, I don't know. That's, she, she'll take your whole life over. You'll willingly give it to her. And that's scary. Yeah, so, probably yeah, true. Not, not like, uh, but, you know, more of a Jill Scott guy. But I enjoyed their quote-unquote battle. Seems like next weekend, back into the hip-hop phase of it with Nelly and Luda. I'm good. I'm so good on I'm that. I'm watching it. I'm, oh, I'm watching it. I, I have, I have zero interest in this battle what zero you are such a high horse hip-hop head whatever I, i'm dog straight I, bossip alliteration on you you're a high horse hip-hop head yeah okay i just listen i was never ever ever a nelly fan never ever we talked about this so disrespectful yeah, so cool I, he I wasn't that to bad you dog. okay i was not a, i didn't like nelly at all uh, Ludacris, I, I've, I've said this before. Like, I feel like Luda was like he's always been a dope rapper. He never really said shit, so it's like two completely different vibes. And I haven't gone back to listen to a Ludacris album in God knows how long. I damn sure ain't watching the battle to go back and listen to it now with like lo-fi audio. And I don't know what these two are gonna be doing. I mean, I may like tune in at some point, but I have like zero interest in this as a battle. I feel There's like so many two, hits. I just feel like these two will take it very seriously, and that'll kind of take the fun out of it. Because because both of them, like neither of them, are necessarily relevant at this point in time musically. So it's like I guess they're grasping at something. But again, man, like I could go the rest of my life without hearing a Nelly song. I'm good. I don't I don't care about this. <laughs> Now, Nelly has joints. Um, it should be fun. It should be not serious, but it should be a good competitive back and forth. In, in the end, they're both guys who were entertainers before they were rappers. Nah, I mean, Ludo's always a rapper. Like, Ludo could always rap, but he was an entertainer. Explain this to me. So, even in his music, it, in his videos, it's... Especially, you look, everything was about being an artist, doing something different. You know, hanging upside down in the Southern House Fatality video or, uh, you know, the Move Bitch Got Out Your Way video. The joint where the, the chain is big or his head is big and everything's different. It's, it's kind of like Missy to me, where Missy's great, but she's also an entertainer. I, I would say Luda is an entertainer first. And he just happened to be a talented rapper, which is why I think he fits well in movies. His goal was to be an entertainer. He just can't dance. So he created stuff out of the box in other ways. His videos were always wildly different. And just the inflection he uses on his voice when he raps. And he, he's a character rapper. That's all part of his just 
thirst to be an entertainer. And Nelly, obviously, is, is Nelly. Like, Nelly cared less about lyricism. He, he was just there to be kind of an entertainer. And Nelly was more of a pop star to yeah. me than a rapper. Like, Nelly did the country shit Ugh. with Garth Brooks, which he better not pull out in this battle. That's so horrible. But he, you know, he was a, a pop star outside of that first album, which still kind of like street St. Louis sounded. But after that, it was pop music. And then you look at Ludo, who's always cared about lyricism, but above and beyond, he always wanted to be an entertainer. So those two would be fun. It, it'll be like when you're playing one-on-one or you're playing a pickup game with your boys. It, it's that fun trash talk back and forth. So I expect it to be entertaining. I think Luda washes Nelly. Not that Nelly's bad. I just think Luda has way too much heat. Nelly's bad. And yes, Luda should wash him. <laughs> like, dog, man, Nelly. <laughs> Nelly, oh my God. Like, this is such a weird Did, battle. Have you, you never had to review Country Grammar? Where were you I, at this point? Uh, Country you, Grammar came out in what? Hip Hop DX? 2004? Four? Four? 2004? It, it was at 2003 or four as a hip hop site. So hip-hop no, site. I absolutely did not review that album. I heard it, <laughs> I heard it, but I didn't review it. So, and I, but I didn't like it. Like I, I never, dude. I didn't like the nursery style rap. I just didn't like that shit. I was, duh, I was a super hip hop head, and so it was like there was no way in hell that you were gonna get me to enjoy that. I just couldn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. I didn't think there was any skill involved in it. Um. I mean, hot and hair and yeah, shake your tail feather. Oh, I'm okay. Like I shake feel your like tail feather still knocks. Oh, God, like I just I can't take any of it. But Luda had like stand up. Like Luda had some joints. Luda yeah. had, just none of them. Again, none of them were anything that I'm like yearning to go back and listen to. Now that I think about it, in my iPhone, I don't have a single Ludacris song. I not a wow. one. Not nothing in my iTunes. Nothing saved. Not a one that I've ever was like, yo, I need to go back and listen to this. Never. He has one of the, I'd say, for his catalog, especially the primo beat that he has later in his career. It's like fourth album. It's so dope. It is. Um, like, he just goes bonkers on a primo beat. I'm like, yo, Luda could spit. Yeah, he could rhyme. He he just so didn't. many tempo beats and Neptunes. He just never that, was really saying anything. That, that was my thing about him. He just never uh, really said anything. Mr. Lover Lover. I mean, I was in Atlanta when he was on the radio. Were you? Oh, yeah, you were in school in Atlanta. Yeah, I was at Morehouse, and he was uh, yeah. peddling his uh, mixtapes outside of Greenbrier, if I remember correctly. <laughs> remember my boy saw him? And it, at the time, it was just he was just Chris Lubba Lubba. So it was like we would see him, and we would just like, oh, because what, what Ludacris used to do was like he'd be on the air. Anybody, If anybody listens to the show and lived in Atlanta during this time knows exactly what I'm talking about. So they would go and like play certain songs over and over and over again, like Goody Mob shit, Outcast shit. Every now and then, a Lud- Ludacris would just start freestyling. And at first, you're like, why is the, you know, the guy on the radio freestyling? And then you were like, yo, he's actually kind of dope. And it was like, and you would hear this, he would pedal his mixtapes, and then he did, uh, I want to say he did Fat Rabbit with Timbaland off the Tim's Bio album. And that was, for us in Atlanta at the time, it was like, yo, he kind of made it. But yeah. nobody knew where he was going after that. And then he just became, like, the superstar. So it was like, again, the dude could always rap. He could rap his face off. He's got comedy in his lyrics. Like, everything is dope. His style is dope. He just never said anything of substance. Ever. Ever. I can't think of a single song 
off the top of my head where I was like, yo, that was some great storytelling. Nah. <laughs> nah, nah, not from Luda. Nah, not from Luda. And I mean, and again, that's not necessarily a slight. It's just I like substance in my music. That's all. Yeah, he was uh he was a sketch comedy show over a beat. Yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. Very so, I mean, that's that's what he did. But it was it was funny. So, no, nah, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to see. I think he washes Nelly. I don't know what's next after this. We've talked about a million different matchups. Um, I've probably enjoyed the R&B matchups more than the hip-hop ones. I definitely have. So, hopefully they go back into that lane. I don't want to see a DMX versus anybody matchup. Oh, man, they got to stop. Come on. Yo, the DMX, Jay-Z, whatever. I said what I said. 19-1 Jay-Z. Like it all, the catalog is so deep. Look, man, it all depends on how the songs are played. But no matter how the songs are really played, there's, dude, there's no way DMX is beating Jay Z in a battle. There's like, who is beating Jay Z in a battle? <laughs> Jay Z Drake would be interesting because they're two different generations. Yeah, it's two different so generations, but then it's also two different audiences because exactly. So it's a matter of taste. And, and shout out to my boy David D, who wrote this excellent part, uh, art, uh, column on levels about him growing up and then realizing that Drake has not gone anywhere in terms of like maturity in his music in the last like ten years. And it's it's a really good. <laughs> there were some people that didn't like it, but it makes a lot of sense. Like I enjoy Drake's music, but there's no weight on Drake whatsoever in terms of growth maturity seeing the world from a different perspective like when you listen to Royce you can see a man who has grown up when you listen to Jay-Z you can see a man who has grown up with his music Fonte see that Drake is making the same songs he made 10 years ago they're still dope I still enjoy them but it's almost I don't want to call it disposable music but there just isn't a lot there so for the pop crowd they'll they'll love this because like kids love Drake they they love the uh what the, the the what the hell is it the Tootsie Slide they love that Tootsie shit. Slide Jay Z will never make a Tootsie Slide so no he will not if there's a battle it's gonna be like imaginary players versus started from the bottom so it depends on your crowd like who wins this battle and Jay Z's like fifty so it's not even fair because there's like a twenty year difference but that's the only battle that may, may be remotely intriguing but when people bring up DMX I'm like dog listen DMX are two number one albums in a year. And those albums were great. But after that, there is nothing there that can compete with Jay-Z. Nothing. At all. No. It was it was a two and a half year run. Compared to what's almost a 20 year run. Yeah, one that's still going. Like Jay-Z. 25. Could, he could play something off of 444 or like I just listened to Drug Dealers Anonymous the other day. And I was like, yo, there's nobody touching this guy. Y'all can shit on Jay-Z all you want for being old or being pop. Whatever you want to call it. He's the best rapper alive like easy there's there's nobody and i love a lot of and people would be like well big now big's catalog wasn't deep enough it's jay-z he has changed the game so yeah. many times listen man y'all threw away your throwback jerseys because that motherfucker so <laughs> when you talk, like, he changed the game and like you don't have to love him but you need to respect him and i'm still like, mad at that i'll still wear my throwback jerseys but i sure did yo he said put some the heat downs. Get them Scooby Doo's, and y'all were like, "All right, cool," because Jay Z said it. That man had power over everybody. Still got the the Yankee fitted in the closet, <laughs> chilling. Man, yeah, no, no one's touching Jay. So we'll see where we go. Instagram battles. The other thing to kind of blend into 
combat sports, but it's also going crazy on Twitter. I know this because my phone is blowing up as we sit here and record this. And that is because Mike Tyson dropped a video on the IG showing his training and saying, I'm back. It's crazy because I just watched the episode of uh, The Last Dance last night where Jordan came back to words, I'm back. Tyson said the same. It's weird because I obviously get paid to do this and we are professionals in this, you know, boxing culture. And I don't want to get caught up in the hype. But my eyes tell me that this, that he can still fight. He can't still fight. He can't. I don't want to believe it. Everything says a 53-year-old man shouldn't be able to. Dog, he can't still fight. Let, let, let's, let's, let's be clear here. Training videos versus what happens in the ring are two completely different things. People don't look like this, though. Like, Dude, I listen. Mean, I've seen guys hit the pads for years. Nobody hits the pad people like they hit the pads. Nobody. Because the pads hit you back. We have videos of this man hitting people. It's not like he's just Joe Schmo hitting the pads. Listen. He was arguably the a top five heavyweight of all time who fell off I'm just going to say because of the blow and questionable life decisions. How did Tyson's career end? With him getting knocked out by bums. Yes. So but what he, made you, what he made at you that think, point duh. wasn't training. He was a bum. He's fifty three. Mike Tyson ain't. He's on the ganja. Duh. He looks fit. He's not winning fights at fifty three years old. He's not. He's not. Tyson was getting washed. He fights Luis Ortiz right now. Who you take? Luis Ortiz knocks him out. Easy, easy work. Luis Ortiz hits him to the the body one good time. Tyson is done. Tyson, dude, Tyson. I don't think Tyson can go more than two rounds. No. But in those two rounds, I'm holding my breath. Tyson has a better chance of winning a fight against a top 10 heavyweight today than Conor McGregor had of beating Floyd Mayweather. I mean, that's fair. Conor McGregor had no chance of beating Floyd Mayweather. Like, (laughs) he didn't even have a punch chance. Who bet the farm on him? Because they're stupid. Like, we said, I said it from the beginning. If this fight were to get made, it's the easiest money you'll ever make in your life. And I made money on that fight because there was no way Conor McGregor was going to beat him. Mike Tyson fighting today would be bad for his health, first of all. There's just no way. Like, Tyson never liked to get hit. Let's be clear. Tyson never was able to really take a punch. He was just so intimidating, fools didn't want to throw punches. Then, Then when he finally got hit... Like, when Evander Holyfield met him in the middle of the ring and cracked his ass, Tyson was like, I got to bite his ear off. I can't take this shit. He just wasn't good at taking a punch. So you put him in there with somebody like a Luis Ortiz or an Andy Ruiz, Tyson's getting smoked. The only thing that Tyson should be doing if the money is good enough and there's like a Saudi bag out there is like a three-round exhibition fight that's scripted with Evander Holyfield. You can do that. To be fair, that's all he wants to do. That's all he it's should like three, do. Three, four round fights, not scripted. But if you put him in there against someone who's just doing exhibition fights, he might kill him in three or four rounds. The, so you still got to put him in there, like you said, with someone like Holyfield or someone who's who's trained enough that has taken a punch before, so they don't die. You just can't put him in there against anyone in the exhibition because nah. this video show he's too good to fight a nobody. But is he good enough to fight? A top 10 somebody? Hell no. Absolutely not. Come on, man. He uh, lost to like Kevin. Dillian White might be. Dillian White would I, wash him. Derek Chisora would wash him. Alexander Usyk would wash All these guys oh, would destroy Usyk him. Oh, Usyk would wash him. A lot they, of people. But they'd all wash Mike Tyson. 
Mike is 53. He hasn't fought in 15 years when he got knocked out by Kevin McBride. There's no way Tyson's competitive with a top 10 heavyweight. Oh, my team no one, is Kevin McBride still around? Is he alive? No, oh, Kevin McBride's doing somebody's plumbing somewhere. That's, let's that's, let's run that back. <laughs> just, um, I don't want to see Tyson get hurt. Like I enjoy seeing him healthy. I enjoy seeing him happy. I don't I think also there's an inherent fear within me that if Tyson gets back into the ring, he gets like PTSD and he turns back to the old him. And I don't want that. Oh yeah, that's not good. So <laughs> uh our sponsors, shout out to the people at betonline.ag we tell you that all the time every episode don't worry no sports right now you can go bet on things they came through in the clutch it took them 30 minutes from tyson making that video to them emailing me the boxing odds for mike tyson this is how good we have it dre so let me tell you some of the bets available right now on tyson for him to fight in a pro or exhibition bout in 2020 is even money one and one no is minus 140. I would slap down some money on the, on the no. Because you can't fight without a crowd if you come back. Uh, also, when's this no end? Like 2020. Has to, okay. has to be in 2020. Oh, yeah, I don't, no, I don't see that. Minus 140 yeah. that he fights this year. Yeah, no, yeah, no that, that money. Um, bare knuckle boxing, it's plus 150 are the odds if he fights in bare knuckle boxing this year. He absolutely won't do that. No. <laughs> um, no. And here's the boxing lines. They have Barry Hall versus Mike Tyson. Barry Hall is an opponent. Barry Hall is minus 150. Tyson is plus 110. A Holyfield Mike Tyson, minus 120 each to pick him. Sure. Which isn't, I mean, that's weird. I thought maybe Holyfield would be a favorite. Uh, given he beat Mike's ass twice. These guys haven't fought in so long. Like, I can't... You know how hard it is to bet on something like this? Like, you're just really just throwing some piss in the wind because you have no idea what's happening here. Just, I, w- I will tell you this. They have bare-knuckle boxing lines for potential fights. Shannon Briggs, plus 110 versus a minus 150 Mike Tyson. That's pretty scary because, Sh- I mean, Shannon's in phenomenal shape. He is as well, right? Like, that's and he's fought a what, what four years ago? Yeah, I mean, the th- see again. Here's the thing: like Shannon Briggs, Shannon Briggs and Mike Tyson in their primes. Mike Tyson would have ate him alive. But now that, that Briggs is older and Tyson's like left boxing and hasn't been competing and just started training recently, obviously the instincts are still there. But Briggs has actually competed in the last four years. But then it's bare knuckle boxing on top of that. Which, as yeah. we saw, Paulie Malignaggi couldn't do shit in bare knuckle boxing and lost to Artem Lobov. So it's like you you don't really <laughs> the know. The goat, Artem Lobov. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, and then Tyson, like, let's just say Tyson fights Shannon Briggs and, like, this bare knuckle shit. Yeah. What are the chances are that Tyson breaks his hand like the first punch he lands? He's That's 53. very possible. Yeah. I, this is a good exhibition boxing matchup, though. Yeah, it's good for exhibition. I, bare knuckle, that's too much, man. No, no. But that was a good name that they brought up. Um, the other one was Hector Lombard, which isn't fair because he's, like, legit just still fighting, right? Yeah. Like he was in the UFC three years ago. The only thing with Hector Lombard is, yes, yeah, it's, it's a boxer versus an MMA fighter, and Hector Lombard is, you know, he's not really good. So, but I don't know. Well, he's a minus 300 favorite. 300? Yeah. Minus 300. I guess Tyson's sense. plus 200. 
sure, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, listen, they got the odds up quick, but people are going nuts for this Tyson video. It's just, it, it's it's crazy. The thing that comes along with it, though, that I would love to see is one more time, because I wasn't there, a Tyson fight in Vegas. Well, I mean, you're never going to have that atmosphere with this goddamn coronavirus, so... Uh, 2021, we can get a Tyson fight. Next know. next May, 54-year-old Tyson. <laughs> Holyfield 3 exhibition. Yo. Uh, Open up the MGM. What? Okay. I do it. I do it. Easy. What's Floyd doing? He wants to do an exhibition, right? Floyd ain't doing no goddamn exhibition with Mike Tyson. No, not against Mike Tyson. Give me Tyson, Holyfield. Floyd can fight somebody as an exhibition. Floyd Habib. Who's paying all these people? I don't know. It's going to charity. <laughs> yeah, right. Tyson wants to do his for charity. Floyd, Floyd ain't fighting shit to charity. Yeah, Floyd fighting <laughs> nobody for charity. Absolutely not. not. Not a damn thing for charity. No, man. That's it's it's funny to think of though. But that Tyson Vegas atmosphere. That's the only thing I'm looking forward to with this announcement. Like all jokes aside, fantasy booking aside, like I don't care if Tyson fights again or not. It, it's a cool way to pass the time during coronavirus and bring eyes to boxing and it surely helps me at work but really once you're in your 50s once you're out of boxing for three years or any combat sport i really don't like to see guys come back because the chances of you winning any fight are damn near none after four or five years yeah because you can't get in shape that fast like there's so much there's such a difference between competing shape and training shape and then what we know about CTE and everything else, like, I'm good if Tyson doesn't step into the ring. Like, I'm okay with that. Even in an exhibition, because shit can end poorly. Yeah. For him or someone he's fighting. That being said, if they want to, just like with pro wrestlers, wrestling during a pandemic, shit, who am I to tell them not to? I just want to experience the urban loitering that would come along with it in Vegas. Yeah. This would be better urban loitering than Mayweather fights, because you're getting... People like my age and younger, so like maybe 28 through 35, who want to experience that and come to Vegas for fights anyway, like the Floyd crowd. But you're also getting like the House Stellar guy who grooved back aunties out there who's like, yo, I was here in 94 busting it open. I'm, I'm breaking out the old one-piece bathing suit with the dumb high arches around the hips, like the Rum Shaker video. And I'm I'm putting the gel in the hair and swooping it to the side, and we getting it. And they coming out and they're just attacking the strip, just in waves. I got to see the mesh of that. That'd be scary. Tell me, oh boy, and the old school pimps. Oh yeah, I've be, heard. Oh man, they'd be like, I'm back in business, baby. I'm back. <laughs> the old school pimps for Tyson fights, brushing off the same suit. Like, yo, I wore this in the lobby of the MGM in 93. Uh, Not even to the fight in the lobby. You know how many people get arrested that weekend? Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So everybody would, everybody would get arrested because none of these pimps can comprehend, like, Me Too or any of that shit. So it'd just be out of control. Like, it'd just be so much. Everybody go to jail. Everybody, before the end of the night, everybody be incarcerated. Everybody. There'd be so much hoeing and... In like just just terrible grabby feely like it's already bad on fight night. And then you got like coronavirus, dog. Everybody's going to jail. That that shit would be insane. 
boy, someone show up with the Dapper Dan just decked out mask. The mask coordination yeah, to the suits and the hats. Boy, I'm telling you. They've been they've been waiting for this to coordinate the red Kango with the red Louis Vuitton Corona mask. This is <laughs> this is too much. And some gators. This this is the atmosphere, because again, it was ratchet for Floyd, but it was young ratchet. Yeah. It was our generation of ratchet. No, it was oh it was God. fake body parts. There would be it like was guys dressed like Migos. I need to experience that old ratchet. There would be like pimps with their sons, like, here, play. I'm going to show you how we used to do it. Like, it, it'd <laughs> That's be, it. It's a family affair. Yeah, it, it'd be so <laughs> gross, man. It would be disgusting. What the hell? Oh, Yo. man, that, yeah, that would be the ultimate circus. The ultimate. I'm so with it. <laughs> Listen, I was on, like, there are few things that compare to NBA All-Star Weekend in Vegas. That might top it, just because of, of the absurdity of it all. Like NBA did you also, throw a concert that weekend? Yeah, we did Lupe Fiasco and Little Brother that weekend. Oh, on the strip, which was insane. We sold out like quick. No, everybody was there. It was absolutely bananas. But that week was the I think it was the scariest week for white people I've ever seen in my life because they had <laughs> they couldn't deal with it because it was like a constant um, marijuana cloud that, that hovered over the strip. There was I went to like a uh, a Bishop Don Juan party, fucking nuts. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I went to like a, I would assume. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. Uh, I went to a Diddy party. I went to so many things that week, uh, and that was this is when I was at DX because at Hip Hop DX we threw that that Lupe Fiasco uh, Little Brother show, and my God, man, it was just so many black people that just didn't. I mean, it was fucking marijuana and gators and suits and. <laughs> Dude, there was horrors everywhere. Like white people were running for their lives. This yeah, I was like fifteen, that. sixteen. I remember I was on the strip. Oh my god, it was it was like nuts. Yeah, my godfather came in town. He was with Puff, so they were at the party, Ooh. and uh, Puff got him tickets for All Star Weekend, so he gave me one. But my grandma had come into town randomly from New York. And she was staying on the strip just like as with her sisters, like my aunt. Um, and my grandma was a huge Shaq fan. So I had to go to the strip and I was like, Grandma, you can have my ticket. So she went and she was two rows back at the All-Star game. Damn. And like, yeah, I got a picture with Shaq and all this. Again, Puff gave the tickets to my godfather who gave them to me. So it was second row. And I remember being tight. Like, damn it, why am I such a good person? Yeah. But so my grandma went, but I was in her hotel. And it was me and my ex-wife at that time. And we were, like, going up the elevator at the Venetian, I think. And it was me. It was T.I. It was some woman who was not tiny. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> and uh, two basketball players. It might have been, like, Corey Maggetti. I'm throwing it back now. I'm showing my age. It was Corey Maggetti, someone else in this elevator. And going up, and I was like, there's my fucking T.I. next to me. And someone was like, yo, what floor are you on? And he was like, how do you know? I was like, it's like this motherfucker is high oh, yeah. as a kite. As a kite. And I was like, yo, this is going to be a wild-ass weekend. And that was like Tuesday. Dog. I Listen, I've been to a lot of things in my life. I've been to a lot of things. Some I have never talked about on this show. Like, there used to be secret parties in L.A. on the weekends. 
whenever I go out there and it, only celebrities were invited and somehow because I was editor-in-chief of Hip Hop Dicks I got invited to this shit and I was like taking a piss and like the cast of Entourage was surrounding me at, at every stall <laughs> like in, in Talib Kweli and Strong Arm Steady was performing like I've been to some nutty things in my life NBA All-Star Weekend might be the craziest thing I've ever been a part of that in Vegas it was just like think of, and on top of that there was like no like camera phones and nothing like that so everybody was doing their dirt like, man. Just out in the open back then. Look, you couldn't, you weren't allowed to go into a casino unless you had a room key, right? And, like, I've done NBA All-Star Weekend when I shot the Paul George documentary, and that was crazy in Houston. But this was on a whole nother level. Like, the, the urban loitering, this was, this was the Avengers of urban loitering. Like, Endgame. Like, this shit was, like, every character that you have ever seen. I think Game got in a fight at Diddy's party that night. I remember all over print hoodies were the thing back then, too. I remember I had one. And everybody was at this party, and, like, glasses started fighting. There was a fight. Everywhere I went, there was a fight. But nobody cared because... Like, people can't have nothing. Yo, like, I know we... Um, being at DX, so it was me, Shake, Tommy, who was the owner, uh, Star, who was a good friend of mine... I can't remember who else was out there. From Star and Buck Wild? No, no, no. Star, oh, Star Red. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I remember the because Shake had this Jeep at the time. And it was like old. But Tommy refused to rent a car because of reasons unknown. He was just cheap as shit, even though he owned Hip Hop DX. So we all like rode in Shake's car truck and I like drove my own car. They literally drove the wheels off of Shake's Jeep. I never will never forget this. I was like, what happened to Shake's car? They was like, we rolled the wheels off that bitch. It don't it, it wouldn't go anymore. It was over. <laughs> he had to buy a new car after that weekend was over. <laughs> it was dude. We picked up I remember the day of the concert, we like Lupe I've told this story. Little brother watched Lupe on the on the concert that night. It was like absurd, like the show that little brother put on. Because at that time I think the minstrel show just came out. Did it? Maybe. Yeah. I believe yeah, this episode just right. came out. And they were getting ready to work, work on Get Back. I'll tell the story real quick, and then we can start talking about MMA. So, everybody, like, people listen. Me and Fonte have always been really good friends. Me and Lupe were good friends until the shake thing happened. We haven't really talked since. But we were all good friends at this point. And little brother flies out, and uh, I pick him up. And I, I remember asking uh, Fonte, I was like, yo, him and Pooh, I was like, yo, y'all want to go on... Uh, after, before after Lupe because Lupe had just dropped sorry I'm having trouble hearing you yeah my, my phone's like trying to listen to this conversation um, <laughs> the phone's like yo I need to hear this shit so speak I, louder I think Lupe Daydreaming had just gotten nominated for a Grammy or won the Grammy I can't remember which one but because of Lupe uh, Lupe was still like he was big but I, you know he hadn't really broken through yet so I asked, I was like, do you all mind going after Lupe? And Fontaine was like, dude, dude we're going to, after we're done performing, everybody's going to leave. And I was like, yeah, right. It's going to be all star weekend. He's like, no, watch. So I pick up Lupe, and I'm like, uh, I was like, you know, my headline, Luke, Lupe was like dumb arrogant at the time. He was like, yeah, I just got nine for a Grammy. Of course I'm going on last. And I was like, okay. And uh, the show happens, and Little Brother performs. And look, when I tell you that, Every, like industry everybody was there it was nuts and we had like this vip section and shake's first interaction with lupe was at this particular like first major interaction where lupe like treated shake like shit 
it was really like I had to tell Lupe about him. So I was like, yo, chill. Because he kept calling him White Boy. And I'm like, do you know? Like, this is before Two Dope Boys had even taken off. Like, Two Dope Boys wasn't even a thing back then. But Lu- Shake was running DX's audio. So if you, he was the gatekeeper of all music. And Shake loved Lupe. And Lupe just came to ride him because he was white. And I was like, stop. Like, don't do that. It's fucking, why are you doing this shit? So. Tay hears about this and they're just like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna crush this shit. So they performed and like I had people in the show texting me, like people were just like, yo, this is fucking unbelievable. Like they put on a show, a show, and it was like when they were done, Lupe comes on, it's him and Bishop G, and Bishop G was like didn't do the hype man stuff, so Lupe was on stage by himself, and like people just started leaving. In the middle of Lou's show. Like, right in the middle of Lupe's show, people were out. That's a damn shame. Leave, I mean, mass exodus. People were, like, dapping me up. Man, thank you for bringing little brother out here. I can't watch this shit. And I love Lupe, and I was like, yo. So, after the show, Lupe's, like, steaming. These motherfuckers leaving. Do you know who I am? I don't want a Grammy. And I'm like, yo, you real Hollywood right now. Like, he was mad. Fonte calls me. He's already at the hotel room. Laughing. I told you. I told you we'd make all the motherfuckers leave. <laughs> and it, the same night was the night, because now everybody knows kind of the story about Little Brother Falling Apart, because obviously Ninth Wonder wasn't at this show. This was also the same night that Ninth had sent Fonte and Pooh beats for Get Back in the mail. Well, and, and via email. And Tay was playing the beats as I was talking to him. And as he's playing this beats, he's going, this motherfucker didn't send me beats and send to other people. And right then and there was the day that I knew it was over for Little Brother. That day, that night, we talked on the phone. It was like 3 or 4 in the morning because obviously the concert was late as shit. We're on the phone. He's playing me these instrumentals that Ninth had sent him. And he's like, I can't believe you sent me this shit. Because I thought he would just make beats for us. But he didn't go into like a tremendous deal of detail. And I talked to Pooh after that. And Pooh's always been like, man, fuck you, whatever. We'll just do our own thing. From that point forward, I knew it was over for Little Brother. That night. It was a crazy night, but yeah, Lupe got washed on stage that night. It was <laughs> ugly. Oh, and this would be so much greater than All Star Weekend. Yeah, this would be like I, <laughs> I would call somebody like, "Yo, you want to throw a concert?" <laughs> like I would want to do something again. Yo, the lineup, the biggest concert that weekend, no matter what is thrown, would be Boys to Men. <laughs> and they already got the residency, but it's just, what? Bobby Brown, Boys to Men, New Edition. Co-headline. Bobby would feel like this 93 again. Yeah. yeah. We need the original Bobby back. Yeah, that I mean, I'm telling you, when all these people, when I say all these people were at the show, Grandmaster Kaz, I didn't know he had his, my number. He calls me. Can I get in? I'm standing outside. I had to go get Grandmaster Kaz into the show. <laughs> I was like, man, what the hell is this? It was, it was nuts. The whole Rocksteady crew was there. I think, but I can't remember. Like everybody was there. Teddy Ted. It was all the OGs, young Gs. It was Magic Convention too that weekend. Oh, it was, dude. That's why you pair a Tyson fight with like Memorial Day. Oh God, people. Twenty twenty one. It's over. <laughs> people it's die. Over. The Vegas, like, yo, we're hurting after this. We had to shut down. We need a big summer. No, say less. We're putting Tyson Holyfield exhibition Memorial Day. Let's get this money. What crazy? Oh man, that'd be hilarious. We got to take a break. When we come back, we actually got to talk about fights that just happened. UFC 249. So you guys stay right there. We'll be right back after the break.
All right, everyone, we'll get back to the show in a second. But just to let you know, with no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join the day and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, we are back, and we are talking UFC 249. That just happened this past weekend. As we record this, Conor McGregor is going off on everyone in the 155-pound division, uh, Gaethje included, Ferguson included, of course, Abib included. He, it looks like he's about to start taking shots at the people at 170. <sighs> what we saw yesterday, I don't know if Connor wants any parts of that Justin Gaethje. And it's stylistically, it's good because it's kill or be killed. But 25 minutes, I don't know if he's built out of the same thing Tony Ferguson is built out of. He not. He's not. <laughs> he's not. He, I mean, look, man. Like before, we really get into the the nuts and bolts of this card. I just we said this a while ago, and I remember I said this. I was like, when Gaethje fought, uh, yeah, pop that can. When Gaethje fought, I want to say it wasn't Cerrone, uh, uh, Vic, James Vic. Yeah. And you saw how calm he was. I think it, like, we came on the show, and I was like, that's the scariest version of Justin Gaethje out there. One who's mm-hmm. calm and poised. And then he went there and murdered Edson Barbosa. And I was like, yo, it's over for this division. Like, with the exception of Khabib, I said Justin Gaethje can, will beat everybody. I just don't know about Khabib, but it's a terrible style matchup for Khabib. I said yep. that. You said it, too. Yep. It's the worst style matchup for Khabib. And I thought that when Gaethje was wild. Yeah. It's just a guy with that much power in his hands and feet and every fight starts off standing with a great wrestling base is tough to beat. The problem with Gaethje is he engages a lot and leaves himself wide open and he gets caught. He got caught against Ferguson, but he also has this weird button that when you hit him and he was like, oh shit, now we got to fight. And then it's like he wakes up. (laughs) But against somebody like Conor McGregor, who really does rely on the one hitter quitter, but he doesn't really like getting hit. And if Justin Gaethje hit him with the shots and Nate Diaz hit him with, Conor McGregor wouldn't be competing in MMA anymore because he'd be yeah. dead. Justin Gaethje is, dude, this, oh, my God. It's not, it's not fair how good he is. And listen, if y'all follow my betting show to beat the expert, I won because a lot. the only pick that I got wrong was Cruz and Cejudo, which we'll talk about. But I said, as soon as this fight got made, this is a terrible matchup for Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson's record is kind of catered to him because everybody he had fought was neither A, a devastating striker, or B, was either coming off of a loss or had just beaten somebody who had came off a loss. And you could argue that uh, Gaethje had a better resume. And it came to fruition in this fight. This dude is frightening, guys. He's scary. I hope you believers now. I still didn't expect that. Tony's resume, you did. You said it last fight. You went down. I was like, yeah, cool. I already was leaning towards Gaethje. I was like, yeah, now that pretty much solidifies it. But then you get into the fight, and you didn't expect domination. Like, Ferguson hit him with that one uppercut to end the second round 
where Gaethje hits the floor and people are like, ooh, he's rocked. I'm like, no, that just means the fight has just started. Dude. Because Gaethje loves getting dropped once. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, okay, now it's time to have fun. And he showed that by the fourth round, I understand how Tony's face looked. And it came out, he broke his orbital. Gaethje put it on him. A lot with a jab. And he was dropping him with straight jabs. But the thing that was crazy to look at was Tony Ferguson's right leg was cut open. Yeah. By Justin Gaethje kicks. I mean, again, this is what I said. He's a, he, besides... um. WEC Jose Aldo and early UFC Jose Aldo, Justin Gaethje has the meanest leg kicks in MMA. Yeah. It's and br- against Connor, I don't know how Connor defends that leg Dog, kick. Connor, listen, Connor is also too small for Gaethje. He's, he's, uh, yeah, he's fought at well time. Nah, not anymore. Nah, but here's what I'm saying. Like, Connor's got good reach and everything else, but th- his frame can't hold up to that kind of assault. His legs are relatively small, too. Uh, his new frame, his legs got bigger. Yeah, not- I, I would say he's a he's a bigger dude now and more able to withstand some punishment. Just the stance, what he relies on, it, it's kind of tough. But it's not like we haven't seen Gaethje lose. Like so, there's a blueprint of beating Justin Gaethje. Sure, he was wild, but the guy does get hit. If Connor's power is what Connor says it is, yeah, he can turn the lights out on Justin Gaethje. I just don't think in he one can. or two rounds it goes four, and it's going to be a bludgeoning. In the opposite direction. But in if he starts off hot first two rounds, like, yeah, Gaethje can be knocked out. Gaethje never said he couldn't. Well, 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 the guy's not going to take Connor down. Stylistically, it's a pretty good stylistic matchup for Connor. It's just this guy is tougher than him. We'll actually break down Gaethje Ferguson as we run through the car, but I will say this about Gaethje versus Connor. I am pretty confident that Justin Gaethje can survive Connor's punches. I am not confident. That Conor McGregor can survive Justin Gaethje's strikes. I don't know about that. Dude, come on. Listen, Nate Diaz. He got hit with that Dustin Poirier punch, and that Poirier punch is not Conor's. Justin Poirier at fifty at 55? Listen. Does not hit as hard as Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. But what I'm here's what I'm saying. I don't think that Conor McGregor can one-hit quit Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje does not get knocked out by just one shot. It's an accumulation no. of punishment. Yeah. Conor McGregor, I don't think he can survive those left hands that Gaethje was hitting Ferguson with. I don't see Conor McGregor surviving that shit. Because Conor McGregor was getting hit clean against Nate Diaz. He got dropped against Khabib. You get that shot from Gaethje, and it, and it won't be the same. It just it absolutely won't be the same. Like, I can see, like, dude, Conor was hitting Nate Diaz with, like, everything he had. And Nate Diaz was cool. That's a bigger Nate Diaz at 170 and a guy with a lot of reach. So you got to. But like he was still hitting him. He was clean. Throw like, a shitload into it. But he he look, Conor. I'm not trying to take away from Conor McGregor's career, but Conor McGregor has had the perfect storm of fights. He walked Jose Aldo into one, and that's where we really talked about his power. He walked him into a, a, a punch. But since then, who has Conor McGregor just been obliterating? We're gonna take Cowboy Cerrone out of the equation. What he did to Eddie Alvarez, who owns a win over Justin Gaethje, was by far the most impressive it was, win of his career. It was because he he made him look like an amateur. It was super impressive. The thing about that fight was dropped him five times in two rounds. The thing about that fight was Conor talked Eddie Alvarez completely out of that fight. He just yeah he he talked him out of wrestling, which isn't going to be a problem against but Justin that, Gaethje. There's a dude, Justin Gaethje hits harder. Than anybody that Conor McGregor's ever fought, and we we have not 
really seeing Conor McGregor get hit clean by a big striker. No. That and that's where I think the difference is. Can Conor McGregor? Which is why dreams of one seventy is bananas. Yeah, I just I I think Conor's a great fighter, but I'm just I'm a little concerned about somebody like this because I don't know. Like, listen, you want to you want to fantasy book a fight, and then we'll run down this card that I'd love to see if everything, if all these things hold true, and everybody keeps winning that that people think is gonna win. Give me Justin Gaethje and Jorge Masvidal. Ooh. Okay. I'd love to see that fight. I'm not entirely sure that, that Masvidal beats Usman, but if he did and Gaethje were to beat Khabib, and uh, like you put the two titles and the BMF title on the line, that's a huge fight. And violent as shit. No, that is. I, I like that fight. Titles, no title. I, I mean, anyway, you slice it. Just love put fight. the BMF title up. Yeah, like, I mean, it's deserving. Yes. Yeah, no. That's just one hell of a fight. I think Gage might win that one. He'd be small, but I don't, I don't. Again, I don't know if Connor beats him. I think it's a good stylistic fight for Connor. I still think Justin Gaethje wins that, but I could see it going either way. I, how about I would pick Justin Gaethje to beat Habib before I put money down on him to beat Connor. Nah, I wouldn't. I put Justin Gaethje to beat Connor way before. I would. And that sounds fucking wild. Yeah, it is. But wild. I think the matchup and styles make fights. I think he beats Habib better and cleaner than he beats Connor. Yeah, no, I think I mean if Connor wants to stand there and trade with Justin Gaethje, that shit could get ugly. Because I, I, again, I just think they're gonna get ugly if Habib has to trade with him. Yeah, because Habib's hands not. are not that, and his jaw. You're talking about not testing someone's jaw or knowing if they can take a punch. I have no clue if Habib can take a punch right, because he's that good. And that's I mean that's the problem. Like Gaethje, I mean. Connor as well. Yeah, no, man. Connor doesn't have a chin. He's only dropped from exhaustion, dude. But he doesn't have a chin. How do you know? He, I mean, getting dropped by exhaustion is part of the equation. Nate Diaz is nobody's heavy hitter. Nobody's. No, he shot for a takedown because he was exhausted. Yeah, but he also got pieced up as well before he shot for that. Okay, takedown. but that's not getting dropped. That's not a chin. That's stylistically Listen, getting pieced up. If he was, he stood. He stood and it was cooked, and that's why he went for the take. If they'd hit him another time, he would have got knocked out. The fight would have got stopped. Kind of was done. He was done. He fought a much better fight the second time around. But again, Nate hurt Connor in that second fight multiple times. Yeah, Connor had to cover up and weather the storm. He ain't doing that and against then came Gage. back and got. Gaethje gets hurt, comes up, and knocks people out too. Yeah, but Connor doesn't get they, hurt, come back, and knock people out. There is no button for Connor that we've seen. We've never seen Connor get hit and be like, oh shit, it's a fight. Gaethje's scary when he gets hit. No, definitely. So I, 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 would, I, I would say Gaethje over Connor way before I said Gaethje over Khabib, who never, what, lost like two rounds in his MMA career? Maybe. Yeah. And I'm. I'm I'm oddly fine with saying that. Because <laughs> I, I think Gaethje can just stuff the takedown. Yeah. Stuff, you're not stuff the takedown against Khabib? Yep. And I don't think I don't think Khabib puts Gaethje's back on the fence. That's the other crazy thing about Khabib is that it's not like he's shooting for these takedowns. He walks to people with their back on the cage and then kind of charges them with his shoulder, puts their back on the cage, and takes them down methodically. And then you're fucked. I don't think he gets Gaethje's back on the cage. I think he could. I mean, Khabib's pressure is unlike any pressure we've ever seen in MMA. Like Khabib's pressure yeah. is—it breaks. Gonna, look what he did to Dustin Poirier. Forward to go to the, yeah, walking forward to go to that cage is gonna take a lot of leg kicks. I mean, maybe. 
It's just a way, like, you have to set up late kicks, and late kicks are a lot harder to throw when you're moving backwards. So Justin Gaethje has to catch Khabib early and make him respect his power. Otherwise, Khabib kind of smothers him. And once Khabib gets his hands around you, I mean, the motherfucker wrestles bears. Justin Gaethje's a nobody when it comes to getting his hands on somebody. It's, it's a great match. I just, again, we can run down this card now, but Khabib Gaethje is very intriguing. I, I, I just see Gaethje beating Connor. I don't know if he can beat Khabib. But it's a hell of a fight. It's a nightmare fight for Khabib, but it's gonna. That's a more competitive fight in my opinion. I like him against anybody. <laughs> that's what it comes down yeah. to, right? Gaethje against anybody. It, he he has a more than a puncher's chance. Um, yeah, let's go through the card real quick. So we're going with early prelims. I'll just touch on Bryce Mitchell is a freak of nature on the ground. <laughs> like I, I was gonna skip this, but I can't skip this. I don't, that man is made out of something completely different. We have a lot of good jujitsu guys in the UFC. He's just insane. Another twister? Yeah. He was two seconds from that. He's getting 30-25 scores on the ground. Got a 30-24 score. Yeah. On the mat. Yeah. He's a freak of nature. Yeah, I mean, look, Charles Rosa. Give the man his camel shorts. Rosa had, like... No idea what to do with him on the ground. Like, Bryce Mitchell was like, he kept transitioning back into that twister, and I was like, are you serious? My only qualm is that he didn't finish him. Like, all those transitions mean nothing if you don't finish somebody. It looks great, but when you're facing another high-level grappler, you're not going to be able to transition as easily. So, Mitchell's not a top 15 guy yet. Um, he could get there with another win, but it was it was interesting to see. The fight that I do really like from the, the prelims, which I thought was going to be great, and the guy that I picked won, was that damn Nico Price Vincente Luque fight? That shit yeah. was nuts. And if it wasn't for Ferguson and Gaethje, that's fight of the night. I don't know how they didn't get a bonus. You know, it's weird because I thought it should have got fight of the night in this sense because Gaethje Ferguson wasn't really a like back and forth. It was pretty much one way traffic, and it was really yeah. it was really Tony Ferguson's chin against Justin Gaethje's fist. That was like the fight. Yeah. Whereas Nico Price yeah. and Vicente Luque were giving it back and forth. And I thought it was a better and more competitive fight. We were just so intrigued at how much punishment that Tony Ferguson could take that we called it fight of the night. But it really wasn't like that much of a fight with the exception of the one uppercut. Luque Price yeah. was a better fight. Gaethje didn't need two bonuses. Nah, he didn't. I would at least give it to Luque. Or just, just pay him all. Come on, man. They're fighting during coronavirus. Give everybody a bonus for just showing up. Yeah, that's true. They definitely... I would have gave five bonuses then because <laughs> those two, it would have been a tie for five of the night. Yeah. Um, you were right, Carlos Esparza beat Michelle Waterson, but I thought Waterson won. Waterson fought a great fight. Esparza, I don't know what the hell she was doing from the outside. But, yeah. 230 to 27 cards, though? I mean, look, this is one of those nights where you had no fans, you had nobody to tell you who was winning the fight if you were a judge. So you just were like, I don't know, I guess you scored – the late takedown of Esparza in the first round, okay, that's fair. Second round, I have no idea how Esparza won that round on any scorecard. Don't I don't see it. 29-28 yeah, Esparza is fair. 30-27 Esparza is ridiculous. Yeah, just weird. And then 30-27 Watterson. Yeah, also ridiculous. I, I would see that before the 27-30 Esparza. Like, that's – it's just weird. Rarely do you see a fight 27-37 or 27-30 and then 30-27. Yeah, that's that like, was wild. Were you guys watching the same fight? No. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So um, it was close. Carla wins it. And then we have uh, what I thought was the most boring fight at night. Olenek versus Verdu. Man. 
I picked this is the only this is the other fight that I didn't get right. Everything else I got right on this card. Verdum just looked like God damn. You're still here? Like, that's how he looked when he came yeah. out. I was like, did you train for this? Like, his body looked But great. he's been away for a long time. Two years. That that suspension was kind of bogus anyway. Yeah. But damn, t- but two years? It looked like he was gone for two years. And, I mean, it. he could have won that fight, right? It was a split decision. Verdun could have won that fight. Yeah. It was, couldn't dig deep at the end, man. Well, it was, he didn't have it in the tank. It was baffling to me because, look, Olenek's a high-level grappler, but Mauricio Verdum's like, jiu-jitsu is phenomenal. And the, the, some of the mistakes that he made on the ground were just like old people mistakes. They weren't like technical mistakes. He was just old and yeah. tired. Like, yeah. like he was riding too high on the back when he tried to flatten him out or when he tried to transition to that arm bar. And it was like, dude, you have him in the mount. What are you doing? I don't know what the hell Verdum was thinking in this fight. Like, and then he was getting outstruck early. Like, Olenek looked great. He's never looked that good physically in his entire career. Like, he looked unbelievable at 42. Verdun at 42, that was, like, worse than dad bod. That was, like, dad bod who hasn't worked out in three years. Yeah, it's just you can't replicate having those reps in the octagon. Yeah. Other than that, the fight he was, just, yeah. yeah. he just wasn't in shape for it. Um, and then we had Anthony Pettis versus Cowboy Cerrone. Pettis gets the win. I, I thought Cowboy won, but at this point, either way, whatever. I, I, I would have gave it to Cowboy. Like, when it was over, I was like, cool. Because the thing that caught my eye the most and is that Anthony Pettis is 33, but his body looks like he's getting older. Like, he didn't take care of himself in his 20s. Not that he's in bad physical shape, but he looks like he's creeping up on middleweight. He was a little soft in the middle. Um <laughs> He's not explosive anymore. He's not. Yeah, he's still sharp. He's still a sharp striker. But there's something that says that the day he landed on that Wheaties box, he just started feeling himself and wasn't taking care of his body like he should have. Because Pettis could be still an elite level, uh, welterweight, lightweight, whatever he wants to be. But some, I'm looking at his body and I'm just like, something ain't right. Something ain't right where he wasn't taking care of himself. But he's, I thought he won barely. I don't know how he survived that head kick. Cerrone caught him clean in the face with that, that chin to the jaw. Yeah, and usually that's that's night-night for people. Yeah, so like Pettis kind of, this will sound bad, but Pettis kind of reminds me of Roy Jones in the, towards the end of his career. Like he still has it, yeah. but it's not all the way there. And if you still catch him, you'll put him to yeah. sleep. Like he'll still beat like people his age and skill level, but these younger guys, like we saw what Max Holloway did to him and some of these other people, well, watch Pettis. I just wish he got it together. I don't think we ever saw Pettis' full potential. It's crazy to think that the super fight once upon a time was Anthony Pettis versus Jose Aldo. Never Yeah, had. but not to see his potential. Like, I think he tapped Benson Henderson. Yeah, but I, I still don't think That's his the ceiling. The, the ceiling, I mean, his ceiling was, yeah, between his... WEC uh, Showtime kick when he when he uh, kicked the shit out of Benson Henderson, and then after he lost to Clay Guida and he went on that run where he actually st- with the first person to stop Donald Cerrone, he looked like a killer, and then he fought RDA and we realized like this motherfucker can't fight going backwards and everything changed. Like I don't think we ever really truly saw the best Anthony Pettis. I think we saw a great Anthony Pettis, but I don't think we saw the best Anthony Pettis. I don't think we got it. No, I. I... Yeah, it's hard. To say. The guy had endless potential. It seemed yeah. like at one time. Unbel- I mean, dude, he was doing at a young age. Yeah, he yeah, was doing 25, shit. 25, 26. Remember, 
after he beat Gilbert Melendez with a guillotine, because that was right after the Cerrone uh, armbar, and I think that was right after he knocked out, uh, I mean, the Henderson armbar, and after he stopped Cerrone. He fought Dos Anjos, got trucked. Then he lost that split decision to Eddie Alvarez when Eddie Alvarez pretty much just put his head in his chest for the entire fight. Then he lost Edson Barbosa with all those mean-ass leg kicks. And then he beat Charles Oliveira, which is crazy because he beat him with a guillotine choke. I don't think Oliveira's been submitted since then. But then he dropped down to featherweight, and everybody was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, because he, he fought <laughs> Oliveira at featherweight, looked exhausted, and then fought Holloway at featherweight, and there was no way in hell he was beating that cardio machine at 45. It was like he couldn't figure out what to do with his body. He put his body through hell. I don't know, man. No, that I, I agree. It's just... <sighs> It's just a lot of miles, right? When they say he got a lot of miles, he's a young guy with a lot of miles. At 33. And he hasn't and been the in like tread a, is thin. He hasn't been on a, I mean, in a ton of wars either. He just... No, but he was deep in those WEC days. I still can't believe how long ago WEC was. Uh, which, so he was, which is he was true. going through top WEC guys at 21, yeah, which 22. Is, it's, again, when we get to it, when you looked at Dominic Cruz... You looked at a guy that was, like, still physically, he looked phenomenal. Like, yeah. Pettis doesn't look like Dominic Cruz. He's two years younger than him. Pettis, uh, Cruz has just as much mileage on him fighting in WC, except, obviously, the injuries. He, he took a lot of I time mean, he's out. he's missed five straight years. Yeah, but I'm just saying, in terms of his, how he looks physically, that's what I'm looking at with Pettis. Like, he's soft in the middle. He's not as toned as he used to be. It's, it's something else has been going on in his career that he has not really talked about. Something else. This is not just, this is not being weather-worn from fights. This is something about him not taking care of himself. Yeah. No, I mean, we'll have to wait until the end to find out. Yeah. But, yeah, he just, he gets the win, breaks his losing streak, but didn't impress. Especially Cowboy coming off of the Connor loss and getting washed so quick. It just, it wasn't impressive. And it's a fight I gave to Cowboy. Um but judges saw it differently. And then next up, we had Cal- Calvin Qatar versus Jeremy Stevens. Stevens came in heavy, came out of the gate, just super aggressive. I was like, shit, well, he missed weight by, f- what, four and a half pounds. But maybe that'll pay off for him. He looks good so far. And then that changed quickly. Calvin Qatar landed a crazy elbow just straight down the pipe. And Stevens just couldn't recover. Nah. Uh, Calvin Cater is a really good featherweight with really good boxing. He's a notoriously slow starter. But he's uh, I don't know if he's like title contender worthy yet. But I feel like he's creeping on it because he's really good. But that short elbow he nailed Stevens with. And then the one that followed it split his head wide open. God damn. Oh, there was so much blood. Yeah, that was brutal. Got cut the hard way. So that was, yeah, that was crazy. That's really where the night started to pick up. I completely skipped this fight, which I guess I probably should have in real life. Greg Hardy versus DeCastro. It was like, whatever. Greg Greg Hardy's weird because he's getting better as a fighter, but his reckless abandon is what made him excited when he started out, and he's lost that. Yeah. Um, so this fight... Greg Hardy decision machine is ugly. Ugly to watch. Yeah, well, see, it's hard to figure out what you're watching with Greg Hardy. Because in this particular fight, he was a little hesitant because Castro has heavy hands. But I thought that Hardy would be aggressive and take him out, and he wasn't. 
Instead, he let DeCastro just nearly take his leg off with leg kicks. And so DeCastro broke his foot and or fractured whatever he did to his foot. And then DeCastro yeah. just stopped fighting. We learned nothing about Greg Hardy in this fight. The thing we probably learned about Greg Hardy is he's not that good. And we may need really? to slow down on him. Yeah. I, I think we learned that he can be smart. He has some type of fight IQ. It took him a while, I guess, shout out to DC, who told him, hey, maybe you should check those leg kicks. And instead of worried about the hand so much, he started worrying about the legs. He checked the kick, seems to have messed up the Castro's foot, and he ended up winning the fight because of it. Yeah, I just don't think he's that good. I mean, I think... He had heavy hands, he just doesn't throw them enough anymore. But even if he does, his technique is reckless. Like, you put him in there against Rosenstruck, who we'll talk about in a little bit, Rosenstruck demolishes him. A good, That'd be a good fight for him next. No, it's not. It's not a good fight for him next. Because, listen, the UFC is trying to make Greg Hardy into a heavyweight star. But you can't push him this fast. Like, after, you can look he's at He's not young. He's not. He's not young. He's not, but he's young in the fight game, which matters. Yeah. So if you put yeah. him in there with a guy like DeCastro and he doesn't impress you, you can't put him in there with a top 10 heavyweight and expect him to shine. Because then, basically, you're saying shit or get off the pot. Where th- but he's been in there with a top 10 heavyweight. And he lost. Lost, but he didn't get embarrassed. But he lost to a guy who wasn't a heavy striker. So I'm saying a guy like Rosenstruck will knock Greg Hardy out. And the bigger concern here, like losing a decision as a guy who's new to MMA, that's okay. Your ego's fine. Getting your head taken off changes your life. I'm I'm ready for him versus the Black Beast. However, we got to get nah, there. Man. I'm not ready for it. You want to take I mean, a year? Look, I'm ready for that to year. get. I'm ready for that to get Hardy out of here. If that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, however you want to build to that. I just need to get get to that level. Like he's dude, Greg Hardy's he's <coughs> not that good. And it's it's okay to not be that good cuz he's still, he's only been fighting for 2 years. No need yeah. to rush this guy. No. Um other people couldn't stay in the UFC this long. No. I mean, he's getting his the chance. The fact that he's won some fights is a huge credit in itself. Yeah. You know, just uh I mean, I'll just never get over the fact that he, you know, has this whole domestic thing going on. But the UFC clearly wants us to forget about it. Oh, speaking of the UFC, how disgusting was it to see Donald Trump open up the prelims? I, thankfully, I wasn't watching at that point. Oh God, it was the worst. I was it a spirited message, dude? It was Trump standing outside <laughs> like the White House talking about how good it was to see the U. Man, I almost threw up. Oh. It was, dude. Between that. And we're gonna see that for every sport. He's gonna try to do that. For nah, him. no, because Dana White's his buddy. That's why he's doing this. Like between seeing that and like I reviewed the Undertaker Last Ride documentary, and for Undertaker to sit there with a Blue Lives Matter shirt on with a Don't Tread on Me hat, I was like, yo, the sports that I cover are fucking awful. <laughs> like there's some terrible people here. Like that Trump Open was so disgusting to me. Like and people, like obviously the Trumpets came after me in my comments when I mentioned it, but I don't care. It's it's gross because it's like, come on, man. Like, listen, it's not that exciting because which we haven't discussed yet. One of the guys did pop for coronavirus and basically told the UFC like, hey, <laughs> like I was exposed to somebody. It's this is not this wasn't a clean victory for the UFC. It wasn't. No. And the fight night went off. Well, the lead up to it was I mean, dicey to say the least at some points. Like, a guy pops the day before for your test, and you're like, you, you know, you're, you're sweating bullets to see if you can pull it off. Um, they're saving grace is that he did say something. I mean, 
And before, you know, he got there, he was honest. They were able to try to, as much as possible, keep him away from other people. He had the mask, he had the gloves. Um, even though you see Fabrizio Verdun, like, leaning all on him right. in a Instagram video. But it seemed like he tried to take as many precautions as possible. I'm not sure if his team did the same, now that we know that two of them popped. But at, at that point, it's like going to a grocery store with something that has it. Like, it doesn't automatically mean you're going to catch it. And, you know, taking precautions to not spread it is, is the key. It's just still scary to know, like, yo, you... You pretty much self-quarantined everyone in this hotel, and then the virus is in here. Yeah, so... It's like a zombie apocalypse. Like, yo, we're we're having a shelter, but by the way, there's a few zombies in here. Like, what? Yeah. So, it, it, it's... it's. I saw there was, like, a big uproar of people that wanted the fight to be canceled. I knew the fight wasn't going to be... The card wasn't going to be canceled. My concern was, mm. once the UFC was alerted that Jacare had this, I don't know exactly when this happened, but I told him to stay the fuck home. Or sent him home. I did whatever I had to do. Like, forget the weigh-ins. Like, just pull him from the card. Pay him and send him home because the risk is too high. Because if he came in contact with somebody and he's he's obviously concerned and he's letting you know that he's concerned, there's no need to risk the fight. Because let's just say we got a false negative out of that test and he ended up fighting and sharing the octagon with Uriah Hall and whoever the hell came in after him. You're putting everybody at risk. Just pay the man. Yeah. Because Jacare has already said... I fight for the money. I need to feed my family, and this is why I'm doing this shit. The moment that he mentions it, just pull him. That's, I mean, this is how I felt. Forget canceling the card because we're too far gone for that. And I know people are like, I'm not watching UFC, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I understand. This Whatever. is just what I do for that's a cool. So, all right, cool. But that, that was my, my place. Send him home. Send him home. Send him home. It, it's, yeah. it costs you a little bit of money. Send him home. The amount of people who were watching in some capacity talking about it and following it, you know, via social media was huge. Yeah. Tom Brady was tweeting about it. I was like, oh, it it was the perfect time for Justin Gaethje to fight. Yeah, a lot of people ended up seeing him. Oh, one other thing before we talk about the top three cards. So this report that people had to sign a waiver that they couldn't criticize the UFC for their uh, testing and, and, and their security measures around coronavirus is complete yep. and utter bullshit. That... Couldn't be me. That? <laughs> dog. Listen, first of all, I was never flying there. Never. I never even asked. Like, the zone asked me. I was like, are you interested? I was like, absolutely not. They asked me about Fight Island. I was like, no fucking way. I was never going to do this. But if I would have got all the way out there to be told that I can't be a journalist and be critical, I'd have been like, fuck this. I'm out. Listen, it just doesn't make any sense. Look, if you're going to do this to your fighters, I guess it's on them. I mean, it's... You cut their check, sure. Yeah, but the media? You would tell the media that they can't criticize your, how yeah. you handle testing or safety precautions and social distancing? Yo, that was the biggest Trump thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, you don't cut my check. No, man. That's what it comes down to. You don't, I don't work for you. And people getting mad at the media. They're like, you guys don't want to see if I happen. Dude, listen. I love MMA. I just don't like all the people in it. And I don't like the bullshit that happens. Like, it's a fantastic, like, the car, I wanted to see this car, but fighter health and safety is a little bit more important than the UFC making a few dollars. Yep. You know, so when, when we talk about the coronavirus pandemic and people are like, oh, you guys, are, you guys rely on credentials. Like, somebody was like, you rely on credentials. No, I don't. I don't need to go to every UFC card. I don't. And I haven't. I still made a career out of this. But I've gone to a lot. 
But all the fighters, you don't have to be at UFC events to talk to them or to write stories or provide commentary or be good at this shit. So it's not relying on credentials. If the UFC, look, dude, perfect example is Josh Gross. Josh Gross writes for The Athletic. Josh Gross and Loretta Hunt were banned indefinitely by the UFC. Still banned. Still making money. Still writing for outlets. Josh Gross is at The Athletic. It's making good money. We, we don't need this shit. And if somebody were to tell me you can't be critical of what we're doing, fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's not to say I was going to be critical anyway. Right. But I would. Right? Like, I mean, if I would have saw some, like the Jacare thing, there's no way I wasn't going to say anything about that if I was there. It's impossible. You have to talk about it. Yeah, and then it's just weird. Like, so if I don't go, I can talk about it? Yeah, basically. Like, then what What does that accomplish? It's basically holding your credential hostage by saying you need to abide by our rules on how you cover our fight. Because what Dana wants, like, if anybody saw his little media scrum where he talked about the media and not having jobs and all this shit, what Dana wants is free publicity and flowery writing about the UFC. That's not what journalists do. And maybe, I don't know who needs to school Dana on this, but our job isn't to promote your sport. Our job is to cover your sport. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And if Dana can't wrap his head around that shit, I don't know what to tell you. Because that's why he hates Ariel so much. Because as much as Ariel loves MMA, he is also pretty critical of it as well. So that what is a journalist without having a critical eye about anything? And Dana doesn't want that. Dana does not want us to be critical about anything. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, sooner or later, if you work for a place like Ariel, Ariel doesn't necessarily care about going or getting his credential. Like, he's established, right? He can do what he wants. But you can't really tell Ariel he can't go in at this point. So if he's critical, like, what are you going to tell Ariel if he decides to go there and be critical? Like, he, he works for the company that hosts your events. He's the biggest name media-wise in the sport. Yeah. It, you, you can't tell the man he can't come into the building. I mean, you can. You just look like an idiot doing that. You know, it's like... Really? Like, with ESPN? I mean... No, you can't tell the man he can't come I mean, they, they, no. they can try... There's no way... They, they, he can no longer blackball Arrow. They can do... Like, Dana can do whatever he wants to do. It just may not behoove him to do so. So, yeah, if he wants to ban, like, it's just, I mean, dude, it happens in boxing, too. Like, let's be clear. It's just Dana's just a much bigger figure in the UFC than in boxing. There's people who deny credentials because they do dumb shit. Like, boxing is weird because, I listen, if you are into if you want to cover boxing, it's not really that hard. Motherfuckers get credentialed that I'm like, yo, I've never seen a written word from you in my life. So, you know, people get credentialed. But some people don't get credentialed because of the shit that they do. You can kind of credential who you want to and who you don't want to. But, yeah, it's not smart to not credential Ariel. Because you have to explain yourself because that how big Ariel's become as a personality. It's like, why didn't you credential Ariel? Because uh, he was said, wrote some mean things about us. What the fuck you worried about Ariel for? <laughs> Making tons of money. Stop. But, that's what, I mean, that's what the UFC yeah, wants, man. That's it. what they want. I don't know. It, it didn't change the card. And I guess no one reported anything bad, right? Like, not I didn't really. hear a bad report. Not we really. We still have plenty of cards to come this week, which we're going to talk about here in a second as yeah. well. Um, so, 
going through these last three fights then to finish up the card, uh, Nganu versus Rosenstruck, 20 seconds. This guy is just scary. Dude. And I knew he was taking his face off, but 20 seconds? Yeah. It's, there, is, there is a switch that has been hit with Francis Ngannou. And if I'm Stipe Miocic, I don't want to fight that guy. Something has happened with Ngannou after the Derek Lewis fight where people booed and he was scared to pull the trigger. And I think that was because of the Miocic fight. That Ngannou started to try to be more measured in poise when he realized, like, no, fuck this. I'll just run into people because they can't stop me. I'm, he's, he's physically ridiculous. And he just yeah. walked right into Rosenstruck and mowed him down. One of those punches connected, and that was all she wrote. That dude can beat anybody. If, if it wasn't for Justin Gaethje, he's the scariest guy in MMA. Yeah. And it's crazy because I said Gaethje is scarier than him. Just because JC, like Gaethje honestly doesn't care if he lives or dies. No. That's the scariest thing you can do as a human yep. being. And... Uh, ESPN MMA, shout out to the team over there, posted the video of in between rounds where he's just giddy like a school kid. Like like a five-year-old at recess in the f- between the fourth and fifth rounds of that fight. And Whitman has to tell him, like, yo, chill, you're having too much fun. This is when you get in trouble. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yes, sir, I understand. <laughs> I got knocked out the last two times. I'll calm down. But he was giddy to see what, like, he's the scariest human being in combat sports. But then, there's a guy with power like Ngannou. That's... Who, every... Every motion you do during the course of a fight, you know in your head, can be the wrong movement and can put your lights out. It literally only takes one punch. As an opponent, how do you go in a fight like that? You're like, yo, I have to make every motion I do be perfection. Because if I take the left step when I should have took the right, it's lights out. You could argue that the comparisons to like a MMA version of Mike Tyson could be accurate with Ngannou. Oh, yeah. Because the intimidation factor is there. It's, it's like the punching power is absolutely there. But now his last three fights have lasted less than a minute. So it's like... Yeah, you talk about a mistake and one punch can end your night. The difference between Ngannou and Justin Gaethje is you can force Ngannou to think, and that's what Stipe Miocic did. That's what Derek Lewis did without really even doing anything. But this version of Ngannou, you know, fighting a Daniel Cormier who said, Cormier said he'd fight him if Stipe is not going to defend the title for a vacant title, is a guy that I don't, I don't know if you really want to fight him. There's a way to beat him. He's not unbeatable. He's not... Technically, he's not really sound. He's still a little wild and reckless. That barrage of punches he threw left him wide open to a counter. But Rosenstruck just got clipped. But you don't want to get hit with that shit, man. That's that's deadly. And Rosenstruck, he asked for this fight. I wonder if he reconsiders. That was a bad idea. <laughs> you think? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure at this point he reconsiders. I'm pretty sure he's like, yeah, probably wasn't ready for that. So, so you know, I, I could have waited. The last thing before you go to the Kobe event, should Ngannou get the next? I mean, Ngannou should absolutely get the next crack at the title, right? No matter who has it. There's no need for this man oh, to have man. another fight. I mean, no, I guess DC and Stipe is the next fight. Yeah. Um, I would like to say for Ngannou to wait, but why? Like, I, I, I think he can knock out everyone. So, 
I'm not sure what the the negative is of him taking another fight. Yeah, I don't think he needs to. I, I don't think he needs to at all. He should, but I, I think DC and Stipe is the marquee matchup. DC is walking away after anyway. If DC wins, cool. He vacates, and then you have Stipe versus Ngannou anyway. So if you put Stipe versus Ngannou first. You're kind of, on a business sense, losing out on the money of DC. You might as well let DC have his crack at it. DC loses, and Ganu's next. DC wins, the belt's vacated, and Ganu's next. You, you get the same matchup, but you get one more paycheck, so. No, I don't think he should be next. I, I think there's money on the table with DC. Well, I mean, after that. I mean, obviously, the next match should be Stipe. DC, DC shouldn't fight him. No, well, yeah. No, I, I think... <laughs> I love DC. No, so, no I don't. I don't want to see it. Like, it's scary, no, man. I think DC could beat yeah. him, but man, I don't want to see his last I don't fight. Want to see it. Murder? Nope. No, no. Don't need that. That visual. Not that. I mean, we just saw Steve stop him too, but it's a whole different level of getting stopped. Yeah, definitely. Look at what he did to poor Kane. <laughs> That's the last thing. Better. Last thing. Memory I have of Kane Velasquez is him getting his knee turned inside out by being punched in the head. Yeah, you don't want this smoke. One one body part told the other body part, yo, we getting the hell out of here. Yeah. And they're not remotely connected. <laughs> so I, I don't have to see that shit. No, I'm good. Um, uh, but, yeah, you can wait. DC, I like DC. Give him one more shot. Um, Co-main, Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz. Uh, I thought the stoppage was early. I did, too. I thought it was early. I thought Cruz could have weathered the storm. I think it's a championship fight from a guy coming back from a long time. Give him, give him a shot. I understand he was getting mollywop for a second, but he was he's getting up. If he hits the ground again after that, then yes, yeah, stop it. Um, with that being said, those leg kicks by Cejudo was a good strategy, and he didn't mean to knee Dom in the head. Dom walked into a leg kick and caught the knee to the temple. Yeah. So yeah. it was good. It was good fortune for Cejudo. He did what he had to do. I, I can't knock the resume anymore. I don't think he beat Demetrius Johnson in that last fight, but he did. So it's on the resume. He now has a win against the best 125-pound fighter in history, against the best 135-pound fighter in history, and he's a double champion and Olympian. This guy is top three in mixed martial arts ever. Ever. And, I mean, you can talk about what you, you feel about what he did after the fight, but if he really hangs it up and this is retirement, he's top three ever. I don't want to hear about GSP. I don't want to hear about uh, Anderson Silva. Great runs, dominant at times. This guy's an Olympian and beat the two best ever in two different divisions. Put him ahead he's of, a top three fighter ever. put him ahead of George St. Pierre? Ahead of George. You're he absolutely is, nuts. It goes John Jones... Let's start talking about Triple C. No. Maybe maybe George St. Pierre's ahead of him. Maybe. George St. Pierre is definitely ahead of Henry Sudo. Matt Hughes beat George St. Pierre. And Matt Hughes was the best I'd in the say, world at the time. Oh, okay, but Henry Sudo lost to Demetrius Johnson, who was arguably the best to ever do it at the time. That was his only loss, and then ran it back and got it. So you, you throw the Olympic medal on top of that because – just UFC resume? No, those guys are ahead of him. Let me be but clear. That's what we're talking Just about. Like, a, what else are we talking about? No, I said as a combat sports athlete is what I'm saying. He's top three no. ever. No. Look. 
Hey, resume in the UFC, there's a couple people. I, I don't I don't think maybe he's top five ish in just the UFC record. Cause then you're taking account of people like, you know, who did it outside of the UFC. Yeah. And, and had runs in WEC or had runs in Strike like Force. Had runs or Fedor. See that but combat sports, none of them had an Olympic gold. Like that's fucking nuts. No, yeah, I mean, look to go along with being the king of two divisions. That's pretty good. I, I still won't put him ahead of George St. Pierre. Like no way. And the reason why I say no way is because it's incomplete. Like he, like it's complete. Nah, it, by his words, it's complete. In his words, it's we got to take him at face value. I know I don't. I, GSP's wasn't complete. Came back and added to it. Look, look. I'm not taking anything Henry Cejudo says at face value, including this retirement. But <laughs> you want to buy real estate from Cejudo? Nah, man. Listen, <laughs> Henry Cejudo is great, and look, there's <laughs> this is the right time to go for Henry Cejudo if he's really gonna go. But one first things first, the stoppage was early, but it wasn't like egregiously bad. The thing, the problem is with this type of situation is Cruz. Yes, like the the headbutt is the best thing that happened to Henry Cejudo in this fight because Cruz was just sliding into a rhythm. And then they cracked heads, and that reset everything, and that's when the knee landed. It's the best thing that happened to him in this fight. But the problem with Cruz in this situation, who was critical of the referee and whatever the hell else he wants to do, is he was trying to get up. And this is a a tough decision for anybody. Because if you cover up and somebody's just wailing on you, they're going to stop the fight. But if you try to get up, depending on the referee, they may let you get up. Because if the referee steps in, before Cruz manages to get up, you could say, oh, you know, that wasn't early. But the moment yeah. that you saw Cruz get to his feet and then you saw the referee stepped in, it's a hard decision to make. So, yeah, I thought the stoppage was early. I thought Cruz was starting to slide into a rhythm and it was going to be really competitive. But Cejudo won. That's just the way it is. Like, that's it. He won. My problem with talking about him being a top three combat sports athlete of all time is his resume is kind of tricky because no... Very few of us thought he beat Demetrius Johnson, okay? Yeah. But it goes down the record as, record books as a win. Dillashaw was a completely drained version of himself at flyweight, and he beat him. Still can't take nothing really away from Cejudo, but the resume, is, it gets a little interesting. Then, you know, he, you beat Marlon Moraes. Okay, great win there. Can't take anything away from that. Even though he was getting mopped up for the first round and a half before he came back, he still won the fight. And then he beat Dominic Cruz, who has been gone for three and a half years. Now he calls his retirement. The problem with calling him a top three guy right now is there's a Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling. There are a bunch of young guys he could face right now, and he's choosing not to. That's why I can't put him in the top three. Because if you keep beating up on legends, like because now like he wanted Jose Aldo, does that really enhance your resume, or is it beating the best that you can fight? I mean, to be fair, I think he did that. At a division lower. What, at flyweight? It was so Demetrius like Johnson and nobody else. Because who else? Did... But he he worked his way up through that division. The division was thin as wind. That division was so goddamn thin, <laughs> there was nobody there. Because remember, he lost to Joseph Benavides as well. He did, lost a split decision. And then... Like, what? Wilson, yeah, come on, man. Wilson, Wilson Hayes. Sergio Pettis. Sergio really? Pettis. Come on. Mighty Mouse. The path yeah, back good. to a title opportunity was very easy to get to. Whereas if you fight, like if, if Cejudo was to stay at Bantamweight and turn back Peter Yan, Aljo, I mean, then you can really have this conversation. But he, he didn't, he, like what, 
he de- he never defended the fly. Well, he defended the flyweight title against Dillashaw, and then he moved on to yep. face Moraes for a vacant title. Then he beat Dominic Cruz. Has been away for three and a half years, and now he's calling his retirement. For Cejudo, that's great. It's the right time to get out because you're on top. And the dice kind of rolled your way. So these wins happen no matter how you feel about them happening. Early stoppage, a decision that you probably shouldn't have got, doesn't matter. In the record books, you won. If he keeps fighting, it leaves him open for more criticism. Because I, if he doesn't beat a Peter Yan, then it changes everything. Your top three conversations that you're having right now is because Cejudo's retiring. But if he fights Yan and has a tough fight, we're not having that conversation anymore. Which is not. If he fights Sterling and has a tough fight or he loses, not having that conversation anymore. That's true. So I he so you're saying he saw the wins coming. Oh yeah. Like, yo, I, I can't run the gauntlet of these next three people. I'm out of here. Like, dude, he because I'm not tarnishing this. Or maybe I can, but I don't want to take the risk of tarnishing what I have now. Or maybe I can, but you're gonna need to pay me more to do so. Because when I retire, because retiring stole the headlines for a lot of people. Henry Cejudo t- retires. So now you can you can let the Bantamweights figure out who's who. And then Cejudo, after the smoke clears and he doesn't have to fight them all, he can pick one. And then he can say, I'm the real champ. And then people will say, yeah, yeah. you're right. He is the real champ. No matter who has the title, if it's Yan or Sterling, he's a champ. Now, because he says that, if you're Dana White, you're like, fuck. Now I got to give him some money to come back and fight. Because now the fans want to see that fight. I think, dude, as much as Cejudo, a part of him really wants to take a break, I think it's just a break. I don't think this is retirement. I think this is a break for him to say, hmm, how can I leverage my status? I am still Triple C. I am still a two-division champion. I don't think Cejudo's going to get out of shape. I think he's going to sit there and wait to see what happens, take his year off, and then he'll say, you know what? I need a million or a million and a half to come back. He'll hold the UFC for hostage. Because, after, dude, it's just like, it's almost like Frazier and Ali. Because then when Ali came back, people were like, Frazier, you're not the real champion. Ali is. So if Sterling is yeah. the champion, people are going to go, oh, Sterling, Alger, you're not the real champion. Cejudo is. And it's who's like, you're goddamn right. Give me money. I think that's what he's doing. This is great posture. I'm not mad at this decision at all. I get what he's doing. At least that's what I think he's doing. It'd be smart. No one necessarily wants to run the gauntlet for a little bit of money. Not, not in this so, division. If you, yeah, if you could sit out, let it kind of play out underneath you, come back, get a little bit more dough, it, it wouldn't be the worst of ideas. I don't know. So, not mad at that. Um, and then we have Gaethje versus Ferguson in a main event. Touched on it, a lot of the things. Justin Gaethje was just an animal. Just game plan-wise, the, the jab... The movement after it, the coming across with hooks, but still being able to evade Tony Ferguson's counters, the leg kicks. It was just a perfect fight by Justin Gaethje, and it showed that Tony Ferguson is really good at a lot of things. I'm not sure if he's great at anything. No, man. I didn't, And that's not a knock on him. But I, I don't know if he's a specialist elite at anything. And in terms of boxing and striking, he was not as good as Justin no. Gaethje. And, and Tony Ferguson is claimed, like, dude, I said this a long time ago. He gets hit a lot. 
fortunately, he fights guys that don't hit that hard. When Lando Venato rocked him, I was like, mm. that was the day I was like, you know what? There's something here that nobody's really seeing with Tony Ferguson. He's really he's good. That 12 fight running streak is a little smoke and mirrors, though. So when he fought somebody who was a completely dominant striker, like what Ferguson has been able to do is eat a ton of punishment, weather the storm, and then win fights because his heart and his cardio is ridiculous. But he couldn't do that with Gaethje. Because the thing that Gaethje did is every time he had Tony Ferguson in a bit of trouble, he kind of backed off and was like, all right, cool. I've already got you. I don't need to rush this knockout. Because what Ferguson wants is a scramble or something wild to happen so he can get back into this fight, like that uppercut at the end of the second round. But Gaethje was just lighting him up. Look, to be clear, this fight, I believe, took years off of Ferguson's career. There's, there's no way he, I think he comes back. He's crazy. But, dog, between the, the surgery he's going to need for the orbital fracture and the amount of punishment he took, this was not any ordinary amount of punishment. This was life-changing punishment. He's already been classified as a head case by a lot of people. This might haunt him. I think he'll still come back. I think he'll still fight, but I still think he beats a lot of people. I think a Dustin Poirier-Ferguson fight is very interesting, though. But, man, I, was he 36? That's a He took a beating. That... In retrospect, as I watched the fight again, Ferguson was in it with his heart, but you could have stopped that fight even early if you wanted to because he was getting blown up. Oh, you definitely could have. Yeah, I mean, without him ever touching the mat, you saw that it was just, it wasn't going to be his night. And it's not on the ref to stop that early. His corner should have saw that. Yeah, dude. His, yeah. The ref stopped it when he should have. The corner should have known around before then it's not our night and you're just accumulating punishment and you wonder now when his orbital broke because i think it was the beginning of the fifth where he gets hit and he does like this weird ass shaking motion and like stumbles backwards and you can see him like pawed his face and then keep going and if you stop that at the end of the fourth does he take all that damage does he now need surgery for an orbital we saw what this shit did to Kel Brook. Yeah. Like, it's not an easy injury to play with when you get punched in the face for a living. It's tough. Not only does it weaken that orbital, it makes it easier to break your other one. Your your whole face shifts due to it, no matter how good the surgery is. So it, it is a tough injury to take. It's a lot of damage to take. And to me, I, I think you're right, but that's on his corner. And Gaethje... It's weird in MMA because Gaethje said right afterwards, he was like, listen, I, I feel bad for him for the stoppage because he never hit the ground. And I told my corner, I'm willing to die in there. and You guys aren't going to like it. But I'm willing to die in that octagon. But that can't be the case. No. <laughs> like, as the corner, you're not, you shouldn't be willing to let him die. You're going to be mad at me before I watch you die and I'm going to be mad at myself. What what's, what's, did we talk about for the past few weeks of coronavirus? You got to save the fighters from themselves? This was the perfect example. Yep. Like you had, like Herb Dean looked at him, like when he, because he, dude, what stopped the fight was a hard, stiff jab. And Ferguson yeah. stumbled back, looked down, like froze, and Herb Dean was like, you know what? You can't keep getting your ass whooped like this. I got to save you. Because you're not going to stop fighting. Like he, no. like he just wasn't. He was like, yo, when are you going to drop? Then he's like, yo, this guy's not dropping him. I got to save him yeah, from like himself. Even, I, I don't want to say that Gaethje looked like, I don't want to say he took his foot off the gas because that's not what happened. He was very patient. But I think Gaethje would hit him and then was sitting there like, are you serious? Like, 
you're still alive like you're still here and do you need to take any more punishment from me but he kept coming like first like come on and he's like all right cool bam hit him again Ferguson would stumble back and then he would, he would like do that b-boy and he threw the sand and shit and I'm like yo at that point I think Jesse Gage is like this motherfucker's crazy because that's all that's left <laughs> we're all like that he's crazy like this crazy like, you're getting demolished dude again watch this fight it was not really competitive it wasn't outside of that uppercut in the second round Gaethje was tearing him apart he was murdering this man it was like a you were watching a man get decimated but Ferguson's heart was so big and his durability was so unrealistic the man was like a zombie doing b-boy dances and just eating shots for five rounds and it wasn't he wasn't eating like oh it was like it was like um Rory McDonald and Robbie Lawler, right? Where Rory's face just finally fell the fuck apart. It was very yeah. similar to that, but it wasn't as competitive. Like, Gaethje was murdering this man. It was, I, Like, people were like, fight of the night, fight of the year. No, it wasn't competitive. It was one-way traffic. Yeah, no, one-way traffic the whole night. So, it, it's, it's tough, man. And hopefully speedy recovery for Tony, Tony Ferguson. But it, it was tough to watch that, watch it all go down. Um, we are going to take a last quick break. We're going to come back and we are going to talk pro wrestling because that's the other thing that happened this weekend. So you guys stay tuned. We're going to recap Money in the Bank that happened and wrap up the weekend of combat sports. Stay right there. All right, we'll jump right back into the show. But first, guys, are you looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they'll work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office to spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, we are back. Man, it was a packed weekend in combat sports. This show is going to be over two hours long, so we're hoping you guys are enjoying it. We still have WWE to talk about, and that was Money in the Bank this past weekend. Whew. I see a lot of people having a lot of praise for this pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> As Dre laughs in the background. Uh, I am not one of those people. But the Money in the Bank match itself, which we'll talk about at the end was semi-entertaining when I watched it back. I'm being generous generous in that, but whatever. It started off the night with, to me, one of the best matches of the whole night, and that's on the pre-show, Jeff Hardy versus Cesaro. Yeah. They had almost 15 minutes to work. It was a really good match. Cesaro lost, which is kind of crazy, but Jeff Hardy came back, and I understand he's the babyface, whatever. But these two had a really good match. And it's nice to see Jeff Hardy back after, like, DUI number 12. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just, so, 
I, this match has confirmed something that we continuously say. It's just further confirmation that Cesaro is the most underutilized talent in WWE, period. And Sammy's no build for this match, no nothing. They gave it their all. Yeah, there's Sami Zayn as well, who in Nakamura, like there's a lot of guys, but Cesaro, he's never really had his shine. And you watch this match, there's nobody that could have made a match like this with Jeff Hardy like Cesaro did. Cesaro's just he's no. just good. He's just really good at everything. And yeah, this match confirmed it. So yeah, which it was weird because they've been angling towards this Sheamus and Jeff Hardy feud, and they just threw this match together. And I was like, okay. If that's what you guys want yeah. to do. I'm guessing you just need to knock the rust off and you give them someone safe to yeah, work and with. And there's nobody safer and better than Cesaro. So, so nope. this is a good match to open the car. I just didn't know why the match was happening, but whatever. It was good for what it was. Yeah. And then we get into the pay-per-view and we have the Fatal 4-Way Tag Match. New Day versus uh, Forgotten Sons versus Miz and Morrison versus Lucha House Part. Two-thirds of them. And I didn't like this match much at all. Um, it didn't do anything for me. The New Day retained. Cool. I still don't like the Forgotten Sons. I don't think I'm ever going to buy into them. But if they were going to win at any point, they should have won last night. Because it's three of them, everyone else got two. How do you lose? Um, well, one, I actually like this match. I liked it a lot. I, I love I, the closing stretch of this I match. Like, them. I, like the... Uh, yeah. From the moment when, when was it? There was a near fall. Uh, Biggie got finally got in. I think the Forgotten Sons hit their finisher, and it got broken up by Lucha House Party. I thought the match hit another gear, and I enjoyed it. Um, Biggie, I, I'll always love Biggie hitting the big ending by itself. I think I think it's one of the better looking finishers, especially when he added the roll through into the finisher for this, and then Kofi at the Trouble in Paradise. Um, Grand Metalli's Spanish Fly into off into the all the guys on the outside was great. Um, he had a couple of good spots. Metalik had a lot of good spots. I think I I, I like this match. I, I like I, I, yeah, I Morrison didn't give me anything. Morrison took that Spanish Fly. Um, Miz, I was damn near non-existent. Yeah, I like this match, man. I, I it's not, and the Forgotten Sons do nothing for well, me. Well, Forgotten Sons are whack. You know, it is what it is. I mean, come on, let's just call it what it is. They're not good. They're not. They weren't going to win the title tonight uh, on Sunday night because the New Day just got the damn titles back. That's why this match so was we so knew weird. The outcome. It was weird. I knew who's going to take the pin because that's the only reason the house party is in there. Yeah. So it's like, I, again, I like the action down the clothing stretch. Was it a? F- it's not. I'm not mad at like that. the five. Was it a five star match, four star match? No, but I thought it was a fun opener. I thought it was a good opener for this card. Well, if you like that match, you're gonna love the next one. It was billed as R Truth versus MVP. This was stupid. MVP decides to step aside. Out comes Bobby Lashley, which it seems like they're moving him away from Lana, but which is odd because Lana no longer has Rusev. Like who won? Like, who won that feud? Bobby Lashley won. Because now, he, like, he fought. He was obviously the baby face of this man, feud. He fought for Lana's heart, got her, got rid of Rusev, and then got rid of Lana. Yep. And Quick yeah, this is weird. Um, I didn't know why this match was happening. And then, you know, listen, I, I give R-Truth all the credit in the world because he makes everything ridiculous. And it's like <laughs> the Happy Negro Act, like, works for him. It wouldn't work for a lot yeah. of people, but it works for him. They're going to pay him forever. Yeah, he'll be here forever. 
But I don't know where we're going with this. I guess we're trying to boost Bobby Lashley back up. Is yep. MVP going to be his manager now? That would be smart. Kind of, because he's ran through like two already. He had Leo Rush, which was a great one, and then he had Lana, and now yep. he's going to go to MVP. It's like, clearly this guy can't do anything by himself. He needs help. That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, like, so I guess they're not even going to let him have a chance to go solo and try to figure it out by himself. Whatever. At least he's a heel. Yeah, well, Bobby Lassie um, wins, squashes R-Truth in a minute, in what, under two minutes? Whatever. Yeah, I just want to see R Truth go down to Tampa and get his belt back from Tom Brady. <laughs> that was actually pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Truth is hilarious. Uh, and then we get Bailey versus Tamina. You know where I stand, man. This shit's on the clock. <laughs> like, let's just they drug they did this the first time, and they dragged it out way too long. And then by the time Sasha and Bailey wrestled, it was like, ah, oh, whatever. They're doing it again. Yeah. We know where this is going. Money in the Bank is now on the raw side. We knew it was going to be on the raw side. Why? Because you got the feud that you need for the SmackDown side. Let's get there. And I don't want Bailey to be the heel and Sasha to turn face. Sasha has to be the dick and cause Bailey. And I want a super heel Sasha. Let's get there. And I take back my praise of Tamina the last episode. <laughs> Yo, listen, she was, she's bad. She's not good in the ring. She's just no. not. She never has been, never will be. And Bailey not being that great, like this match was two women just yelling at each other, and then they took like a water break, and then there was like a mean girl segment that pissed Tamina off. This match sucked. And then, like, to make matters worse, and I don't, I don't feel like this happens as much with the men as it does the women. Tamina hits what is a super kick Samoa drop combo, goes for the pin, Sasha goes to climb into the ring, but she doesn't. And Tamina's like, you know what? I'm going to chase you now. And then she gets rolled up like an <laughs> idiot. Like, it was the most stupid, doofus move that I've ever... It's like, dude, you had her. Just take... Just cover. Like, this match sucked. It, it just... It sucked. It didn't help anybody. And the least they could have done was progress the Sasha Bailey angle. And they didn't. This match didn't even need to exist. Yeah, it did. Like... I, I guess the more she helps Bailey, the more you kind of lull her into a false sense of security. I don't know. I just don't care. Maybe? Like, just get it over with. Yeah. Like, have you ever watched yeah. a movie, like, where you see, or even had friends, where you see, like, there's a sexual attraction between this dude and this chick, and you're like, would you guys just fuck already and get it over with? Because we're tired of looking. Like, yeah, this is like, where we're at now. Like, we know how this is going to end. Like, that's what this is. This is literally, like, sitting there and going, like, yeah, are you, are you going to fuck or what? I'm tired of waiting. Throw on the condom and get it over with. I'll leave the room. Like, that's what it feels like. <laughs> God, just get it over with. I'm tired. Like, I'll leave the room. You guys need the room? Like, stop playing around with it. Yeah, it does. It feels just like that. Like, it's just dragging on for no reason. Like, we got to wait all the way to SummerSlam. And I, I feel like that was always their intention, right? Because I understand people losing their hometowns traditionally, whatever. But Sasha winning the belt in Boston and having her moment in Boston, I feel like, was the plan. Probably, yeah. But there's no guarantee you're going to be in Boston. Exactly. Pull the damn trigger. Yeah. I'm over it. Makes no sense. And then, uh, even better, Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt. I like this match. Yeah, uh... I had very low expectations, like I do for most Bray Wyatt matches, in ring. Love the character still. But I thought even him 
as Bray Wyatt, I knew he was going to lose because he was, you know, the normal Bray Wyatt, Mr. Rogers. But he pulled out a tornado DDT. They actually had some spots on the outside. Wrestling-wise, Bray Wyatt tried. Like, this is the most he's tried in a very long time to deliver a good wrestling match as himself. And I think this is good because even though he lost this time, I think he beat The Miz back in December. We need more Mr. Roger Bray Wyatt matches so that you don't kill The Fiend constantly. Like, I don't need The Fiend to show up on weekly television ever, outside of Firefly's Funhouse promos. I never need him to be real-life in-ring weekly ever. Um, wrestling regular in-ring matches twice a year give me Firefly Funhouse theatrical matches the other three times a year. That's it. Yeah, I mean, look, man, it wasn't the worst match ever. Um, it was better than expected. Still wasn't good to me. What hurt it more, like the finish was. I didn't like that finish. Um, the one power slam. Yeah, I mean the the mask was the whole mask thing was like really. Oh long. yeah. I was like, this is really stupid. Like Bray, come I on. I feel though. like they're playing into the the theatrical Firefly Funhouse where he brings him like he did John Cena. Brings him through the many phases of of Braun Strowman. Yeah. Strips him down, and then the fiend at the end, mandible claw, give me that belt. Yeah, I just, I'm out of just here. the whole like Bray Wyatt, like yes, you've come back. I was like, this is dumb. You know he's gonna turn on you. Like this is not gonna work. Um, but it, I mean, everybody knows where this was going. As soon as they put Bray Wyatt in this match, you're like, all right, Bray Wyatt loses here, and the fiend's gonna come to wrestle with Braun Strowman. Like that. All right. That makes sense. I mean, it's a good formula. I guess that's where we're getting. It's predictable. It's a good formula. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, whatever. That's that's going to be, that's the gimmick I wanted from the beginning. You didn't like it too much back then when I said it, but it seems like it's coming to fruition. Yeah. Let Bray Wyatt build the feuds, take the pins. The Fiend defends Bray Wyatt. That's. I it. mean, ultimately, the best way to always play this, which like where you're right, is like this is what they should have done before. They ruined everything with him and, and Seth Rollins. That is where you're right. <laughs> it's like, it's like, <laughs> this should have been it from the get-go. Yeah, but if you're going to do it now, cool. I guess whatever. It just feels like anticlimactic because I don't like Babyface Strowman either. I guess that's my bigger issue with this. I really don't like Babyface hmm. Strowman. It's corny. Do you like heel Strowman? Yeah, I like heel Strowman throwing over ambulances and shit like that. I like that Strowman. I feel like that was Babyface Well, I, I think that kind of... Like, that was the turn, right? Yes. Like, when... They started cheering him for doing that to Roman Reigns, and then he was babyface. Right. After. So my point is, like, if he throws over ambulances and shit like that, and he's angry and shit, just don't turn him face. Let him keep doing this as a heel. You don't have yeah. to turn everybody a babyface once they start cheering. Stop. Find a better no. way to do it. Like Seth Rollins has done a good, which we're going to talk about. Seth Rollins has really done a good job revamping his character. And if there was a crowd there, they'd boo him. But you'd like to boo Seth Rollins because he's he's good <laughs> at this character. Right, whereas Braun oh, Strowman yeah. is like, I'm not buying it. They're gonna worry me. They're worrying me with that right now too. Though. Well, yeah, we'll talk. Let's 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 talk, we'll talk about, about it. That. That's the next match. Is that next? Yeah, yeah, that's next. Um, Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, plenty of time. Best match of the night. Um, I would love to see them give you know two matches at least a night. These 20 minute segments, like this was good. 20 minutes to work. They put in great storytelling in the match. Um, Perfect opponent for Drew McIntyre because Seth is so hot that he doesn't need the title right now. Yeah. So it's, it's perfect. But then the end comes and they shake hands. Seth kind of begrudgingly shakes his hand. Drew shakes his hand. Um, 
But even then, I'm wondering if this is the time where they turn Seth back face. Because AOP's hurt. He's the Messiah, but he only got one guy. At this point, I would just give him the two Australians. Act like AOP never happened. And have the two Australians join. Um, just to have more people keep joining this Messiah crew. But it seems like maybe they're leaning towards a baby face, Seth. Or maybe this is just a way to extend their feud. And, and Seth pretends to be friendly and then crushes McIntyre. I don't know. Yeah, unfortunately, by the time you guys listen to this, I guess we're going to get our answer to this. I think this is all, Seth is just going to be a complete dick moving forward. I think he's just like shook his hand and he's going to be an asshole and continue to be an asshole. I mean, they didn't change his music for no reason. They gave him a new theme song, got rid of Burn It Down, gave him this whole Monday Night Messiah. Some people didn't like it. I liked it. I think this this music ne- change needed to happen. Um, I like it better than the Gargano music yeah, change. me too. Um, not to say that Burn It Down can't be, because that was his heel thing, but before that Burn It Down thing came along, you know, it was his babyface thing. Um, but this worked. And I think, you know, this match was, like you said, it was really good. Like, I was like, this is a really good match. They gave him time. This is what McIntyre needs. Dude. I really dislike the fact that McIntyre can't have this run with, with fans. Because he would be, like, super over. With the exception of the countdown shit, which I talk about every week. That shit would be super I over. Hate it, though. But <laughs> you, but it would be so I, The thing I love the most about this, this match was the finish. There was, like, the curb stomp, counter into the Glasgow kiss, and then uh, Rollins hit the super kick. And then McIntyre just hit the Claymore kick out of nowhere. That's the Claymore yeah. kick that I like. The countdown shit, fuck all that. This one just coming out of the blue and just destroying Rollins was excellent. That's how you finish, guys. Counting down is just a little bit too much. Because any heel should be able to hear that shit and be like, nah, I'm good. Like, like the best Shawn Michaels. <laughs> That's some Kevin Owens shit to like roll out. Yeah, like Shawn Michaels, yes, he tuned up the band. But he usually tuned up the band against Lesser Competition and Ric Flair. Other than that, the best super kicks came out of nowhere. Like, out of the blue. And that's when he used to get his finishes. McIntyre hitting Claymore kicks just out of random spots is the best way to do this. He's he's really good. And this is the perfect feud. And kind of, I don't want to see this feud end. Because we don't have another major pay-per-view until SummerSlam, which would be in August. And they're doing Backlash next month. They can run this feud back. I'm fine with that. Oh, yeah. That'd be a good feud for Backlash. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. No, I, I like that idea. And then let's get into the Money in the Bank matches. I thought they were going to be an hour long. They weren't. It was like 25 minutes. Um, so, I can't recap all the cheesy shit that happens. But they start. The men are in uh, the Ico Pro gym. The women are in, like, the lobby. Asuka taunts them from oh, above and then hops in the elevator. So good. That's the slowest moving elevator <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. She was in this elevator for, like, 20 minutes. Um, so Asuka gets in the elevator. And then everyone else battles, like, floor to floor. Had some funny moments. Uh, Shayna, I think, choking out. Rey Mysterio is pretty funny. Um, the best moment, comedy-wise, was probably AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan getting caught by Vince McMahon. It's pretty good. I, th- I like AJ Styles getting locked uh, in the room with the Undertaker casket, though. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. And freaking out. That was funny. There was uh, some good moments. Um, R.I.P. Aleister Black. <laughs> Yo, him being a ghost on Twitter is hilarious. <laughs> he leaned into it. I mean, you it. have to, because it's like, utterly ridiculous. That's dope. Like, oh, he got thrown over the side of the building. Like, that's cool. No one cared about Rey Mysterio getting thrown over the side. 
Alistair Black went after him, and people were like, oh, this shit's crazy. So uh, Corbin did those two spots. I don't know why Corbin was so against Asuka pulling the <laughs> briefcase. Like, your briefcase is right next yeah, let to her get hers. Let her grab and hers. You get yours. And you grab yours. <laughs> I mean, he gets kicked in the face for his troubles. And then, of course, we get to the ending. AJ Styles is up there. He grabs the briefcase. He unmatches it. And then fumbles it into the hands of Otis. Because I was wondering how Otis's big ass was climbing the ladder. This is a great way to not have him climb the ladder. It fell into his arms, but I still think AJ Styles is the rightful owner of the briefcase. And if they want to lean into, you know, he's been a heel for a while, he should harp on him being the rightful money in the bank person and being cheated out of it. That should be his gimmick for like the next two months. Yeah. So, yeah, you ran down this match pretty well. Um, the elevator was yep. slow as shit. I think at one point I tweeted, it's like, is she still on the goddamn elevator? Listen, one, Asuka is a national treasure. You guys know I'm an Asuka mark, but her, like, being on the second floor and diving on him, her dancing everywhere in the, like, there was, like, a scene where the security cameras show her and she's, like, dancing in the elevator. I'm like, Asuka is fantastic. This match, on the other hand, <laughs> tried really hard to be funny, and that's where it lost me. Between the music and, like, some of the more, like, strange moments, like, I felt, I felt like this match, like, the AEW tag match with the Sex Gods and uh, and uh, Omega and Matt Hardy was goofy and fun, but it didn't feel like it was trying hard. This match, at a certain point, yeah. I was like, the Doink the Clown shit, the uh, John Laurinaitis thing, the food fight. I was like, all right, this is a lot. And the music just took me out. I couldn't take it. Like, I got what they're trying to do. And then having it all go on at the same time, it was, dude, it was giving me a headache because it was just so much going on. But it had its moments. I think Oscar was phenomenal. Um, dude, I say this all the time. Vince clearly loves Otis. Adores him. There's no, like, all the comedy spots. Like, it's every every fart joke Vince loves is Otis. Clearly. <laughs> it's everything he loves. He loves this fat man. And he can't get enough of him. But he also used to love Eugene, and we saw what happened to Eugene. Otis is probably going to become true. Eugene. He's going to get tired of that toy and throw it away. Well Otis did an interview that said he wants to be the first person to cash in the money in the bank on the table. Yeah, he said that actually on SmackDown. I'm just trying to figure out who's going to talk him out of it. Like somebody, because Tuck... Is he going to throw Tucker through the barbershop see, I don't think it'll be that. I think it'll be something where either Tucker says, you know what, you should go for the gold. Or it'll be Mandy saying, the tag titles, go get the, the title. Like, that's the one that you want. Somebody's got to talk him out of this. It'll be a complete waste to have him go after the new day with the tag titles. It just it doesn't make any sense. I don't I don't think so. First time ever BS. Yeah, I don't know. But as far as the match is concerned, um, you left it a part where Elias somehow they let him in the building and he cracked Baron Corbin with a guitar, and that's how the the briefcase fell into the hands of Otis because AJ Styles just had that blood fingers. That was ridiculous. <laughs> we also have to talk about the stupidest person in the match, Dana Brooke. How? What? Yo, you didn't complete against Dana Brooke. Huh? What do you have against okay. Dana Brooke? Did you forget about the conference room? Were they battling? Th when everyone was slept? Yeah, everybody's in the conference room. Dana Brooke sees a briefcase hanging in the conference room with money in it. Clearly not the real briefcase. Yep. Takes it down and declares herself the winner. And then Stephanie McMahon is like, you idiot. That's not the briefcase. Like, Dana, didn't anybody... Briefcase is on the roof. Didn't anybody yeah. brief you on where the briefcase was supposed to be? Why would you think that the briefcase would be hanging on the ceiling in a conference room? You're an idiot. Just complete... <laughs> like, complete... Again, 
idiot. Just stupid. Um. Listen, it's no worse than the Lacey Evans food oh fight. God. I almost forgot she was in this match. There was a moment where I thought she was going to win. I was like, no, but thank God. Oh, me too. She started climbing that ladder, and I was like, oh, Baron God. Corbin murdering two people. I didn't even see it the first time it happened. I was doing a live blog, and I had to look up, and I was like, where did those guys go? And I saw the, the clip, and I was like, yo, he just killed two people. There's no way that Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black should be back on Raw television anytime in the near future. There's <laughs> just none. I mean, AJ Styles just came back from well, the dead. That's what I'm saying. But at least he was gone for a month. I mean, yeah, you, they don't really care. Um, the other thing that I like to note is that it feels like they've clearly moved away from Shayna Baszler. I feel like it's over for her. Yeah. Really? I mean, she didn't have to. She didn't job out in this match. She just didn't. But she win. wasn't even a factor in the in the the finish. In the final, that's what it, yeah. like her choking out Mysterio was good comedy, um, but she wasn't the brute that they've made her out to be throughout this match. And it, yeah, it was utterly ridiculous to climb the ladder. Like everything was stupid. But at the end, it should have been her somewhere in this match because you built her up as a vampire, then a badass who eliminated everybody in the elimination chamber by herself. She wrecked shop. They completely cooled off on her. Completely. Like, even Nia Jax, like, yeah. you look at Nia Jax, she's like, yeah, I don't expect her to win. Like, her bumping bellies with Otis. Like, all that shit you expect. But we've been made to believe that Shayna Baszler is supposed to be the badass that Becky stole the win from at WrestleMania by, you know, the, the little roll-up during the choke. This match didn't establish her being a badass. She just was kind of there with everybody else. Yeah. Like, if this was an Elimination Chamber match, she would have beat the shit out of everybody. Dana Brooke wouldn't be anywhere near this match. But... I'm not mad that Oscar won. I, I love that Oscar won. Oscar is like the MVP of the women's division, period. Right now, she oh, is yeah. so good. And I mean, if you have to get the belt off of Becky, this is probably the way to yeah, do. Yeah, and if whatever the hell, it's Oscar or a horsewoman. That's it. Those are your only options. Yeah, and Oscar, she's money. It's just whereas the men. I mean, look, man. I really don't know where they're going with any of this. Uh, yeah, you're right. AJ Styles should be a complete dickhead, and maybe should challenge Otis for the briefcase. I don't know. That wouldn't be bad. Um, I mean, people would be pissed that Otis got it taken yeah, off. Yeah, it's just... <sighs> he can't cash in for a title. The man's had two singles matches in the entire <laughs> Him winning the the championship belt would be utterly... Yeah, I mean, this has to be something that Otis holds on to for a while, until Vince gets bored. I really think Vince is going to get bored of Otis at some point. He loves him right now. But the, we're going to be on the verge of overexposure very soon with Otis. they got to slow down. Him winning the money in the bank is a lot. Because now he just has to carry around the briefcase. Which will be fun and entertaining yeah. in spots, but they're going to overdo oh, it. Oh, he's going to make it funny. Yeah, they're just going to yeah. overdo it. Like, Vince can't get enough of this guy. Like, there was, there's, no. like, certain segments where... Otis was in the room and he saw like the peach pie. He's like, "Oh yeah!" And I'm like, "This dude's like a fucking walking bee." And the caterpillar as a <laughs> finisher is not a real finisher. I was about to say that can't be a finisher. Like he's got to find a better finisher. Like the Rock had the Rock bottom, but he was the Rock, you know. And then there was the People's Elbow because he was the Rock. It was absurd that it was a finish, but he was the Rock. This is almost like Scotty Two Hotties Worm, and he's just doing it as a fat guy. And while fun. If you want to be taken seriously, you need a real finisher. So you got to find something with Otis. He can't be this comedy act forever. No, I agree. So we'll see where it leads, how they cash that in. Man, it's been a long show, but a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Thank you guys for sticking in here with us. 
We'll be back later on the week, talk a little bit more UFC, some uh, miscellaneous topics as well. We want to say shout out to the sponsors as always, shout out to Blue Chew, to the network, Blue Wire, and make sure you guys follow us on social media at the corner, at corner podcast underscore, me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Till later in the week though, we're out. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.